to a fresh episode of Draft on Tap. I'm Aldo Gandia, and the draft is, what, 19 days, 22 hours, and 54 minutes away. This is a live look at a countdown as to when round one will begin. So if you're looking live, that's how much time you have to wait. Of course, the best way to wait is to wait along with Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski. Guys, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I mean, that this is like for me is like Christmas. You know, it's coming down. I'm a countdown to Christmas. I'm I'm counting all my gifts under the Christmas tree. How many are mine? How are my sisters? How many could be for? <laughs> you know, could be a surprise for both. You know, so this this is this is what this clock here tells me, man. Because this is a uh, when, when the draft comes around. That that that's that's my my day. I I, I tell everybody, don't call me, don't text me. I am in the draft zone, and I'm I am breaking down players. So that that's my. What about you, Neil? Is this like Christmas for you? No, oh, absolutely. You know, it's kind of like the beginning of December, right? You know, you're 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 kind of wondering what's going to show up under the tree. I'm not even looking at the the wrap gifts yet. It's not even that close to that time yet. I mean, I'm just sort of guessing what, uh, what could possibly be on the tree for me. But uh, I'll tell you what, though, like every time every time Ryan Poles goes and makes a move, it completely reshapes, you know, where I think this, you know, uh, this. Uh, uh, franchise might be going with uh, pick 32 and and then, you know, pick 41 and pick seven, you know, it, all, all throughout day two, it just sort of reformulates where I think they, they might be going with, uh, with their options. So it's, it's been a lot of fun watching them uh, make the moves that they've made. And we saw over the course of the past 24 hours, two fresh moves. And I'm over here thinking again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I let's talk about these guys, these two new signings today on Friday. What is it? April 8th. Uh, starting with the slot cornerback, uh, what's his name? Tavon Young. Uh, mm-hmm. you guys, uh, yeah, I know, know him. He's been around the league for a while, and Greg Gabriel loves the fact that he can step in and be the starting slot corner, he tweeted out today. What are your thoughts on that? I'll start with you, Neil. Yeah, you oh. know, uh, one of the things that we were desperately in need of was a guy that, that could play the nickel. So um, that's a very welcome addition. Uh, he was a very uh, you know high-end performer for a, a, a very good defensive outfit over there in Baltimore. Uh, welcome to Chicago, because <laughs> now mm-hmm. I think that puts a lot less stress uh, on uh, our need for the cornerback room than uh, what we had just a week ago when we were talking about this position. So um, it, it looks to me like, uh, you know, we might have a, a an option. I'm not sure what the terms and length of that contract is. And I, I think it'll, it'll give you a lot more insight into uh, even one year what deal. the plans are. It was a yeah. one-year deal. Okay, yeah. well, I mean, it looks like we're still going to be hitting the cornerback, you know, position on day two. So totally um, agree. Totally agree. Yeah, but uh, you know, think about it is 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 uh, again, like I said last week, it looks like uh, Thomas Graham is going to be, 
you know, corner number two, or at least I think Thomas Graham could be corner number two. Obviously, you know, once these guys get to, get them into minicamp and everything else, they'll make those decisions. And the, the, the next, you know, couple of weeks are absolutely critical with that. Mm-hmm. You know, thankfully they had the virtue of being able to start their, uh, their off season training, you know, a couple of weeks earlier, given the, the new head coach signing. So we'll, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, if, if anything comes out of Hallis Hall, if anything comes out of Lake Forest, that could kind of tip us off as to where we could go with uh, those three picks on day two as it, as it, as it pertains to corner. Mm-hmm. What do you think, uh, Mr. Shimon, about Tavon Young? Yeah, Young is a is a tough tough little cornerback. You know, he played slot corner for for the uh, for the Ravens, and he of course came out of Temple. Uh, you know, those guys typically are are, are tough. You know, uh, tough minded. You know, physical and and mental mentally tough players. So, uh, you know, his his issue. I mean, when he's on the field, he's an effective slot corner. His problems is staying staying on the field. And I and I you know he's had two ACL injuries. So uh, those are something that you have to be concerned about. You know, I believe he, he runs about, you know, if I remember mistaken, I think he's like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, something like that. You know, on, on not not the bigger, bigger tall, you know, bigger build uh, player. But uh, definitely a guy that, that when, like I said, when he's on the field, uh, when he's healthy, he is productive. And uh, that's a key here. So so I, I think he has the leg up on, on the uh, inside slot corner position, you know, if they don't attack it here in the draft. But, you know, I, I agree with Neil and some of the guys in, in the chat room here saying as well that, we still got to attack this position you know, via the via the draft. You know, the, I think it was those those three picks in the in the top you know seventy one right now. I, I think one will be a cornerback, uh, probably most likely an, an outside cornerback, uh, a guy that that can man the outs. You know, the, the position or at least challenge for that spot opposite of Jalen Johnson is what I feel they're they're going to do with one of those two second round picks, possibly even, maybe even that that third round pick. Not even sure. So see how that board falls to them. But yeah, definitely I think offensive line is still a need. Obviously, I think uh, receiver is, is a need, and I think corner. I think those right now are three three needs. So uh, the other the other sign they made was was Ryan Griffin, a, a backup tight end. Uh, 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 don't go too fast here. <laughs> Danny likes to cover the entire uh, segment uh, in, in one uh, blast. There, uh, let's stay with Tavon Young a little bit. The, these are his twenty twenty one stats: one interception, thirty five tackles, two sacks, and four tackles for a loss last season. Like you mentioned. He uh, had, does have an injury issue. He played he, typically. He plays about fifty to sixty percent of the snaps uh, for a team. Last year it was under fifty. So uh, the question that there is 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 durability. Is this towards the end of his career? And if it is so, then this is a value signing because there's a lot of. Um, incentives in that contract. If he plays a certain amount of games, if he gets to the playoffs and all that stuff, then, you know, uh, he, he will get compensated more. So this is another one of those Ryan polls. Uh, you know, I put up on Twitter today, DVD bargain bin. You know, you ever go to buy DVDs and there's a, a bunch of DVDs in a big bin and they're all $5. Well, he pulled out uh, Tavon Young and hopefully, you know, he'll have a comeback season and uh, improve himself still capable of starting 67% of the snaps on a team, particularly given that Eberflus said, we're going to be playing nickel defense 80% of the time, guys. Yep, exactly. Right. Exactly. That's why it was, it was very important to, to get. Another thing was like, you see his stats there. And, and with the thing with, when you're a slot corner, basically the closer you are to the line of scrimmage, the tougher you have to be. Right. And, and plus the, and then in terms of the, the, the wear and tear on your, on your frame, on your body, you know, because obviously you, you're close to all the action. So, you know, you have to be tough, which Tavon Young is, 
And the other thing is, is the other question now we're talking about is durability, right? Will he be able to stay on the field as, as much as we need him for, uh, especially when, with those kind of percentages in terms of what Eberflus said, in terms of 85% of the time they're going to be in a nickel, a nickel package. So uh, that, that's why that tells me that that fifth or fourth, you know, DB is going to be very, very, or, or fifth DB, I should say, very, very important for this team. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, uh, Danny, I'll stay right with you. And why don't you talk a little bit about Ryan Griffin, the veteran tight end that was picked up today? Yeah, that's it, a one-year deal. Another one of those bargain bin DVDs, like you were talking about. Although you know, it's 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 a backup tight end. This is more of a of a of a flank, you know, kind of a, a joker position guy that you can you can spread out in in, in the slot. Um, you know, we talked about your, your favorite guy, Jasper Horstead. So this is maybe some of the, maybe something more more similar to that types of a player, not a not an inline wide tight end blocking tight end. So that you know they might attack that later on in, in veteran free agency. You could probably bring up a guy, or maybe even use an extra offensive lineman. Who knows? But uh, you know, just a guy gives you nice nice value. Uh, not a not a big time you know player in in my opinion. Just a guy that's got a nice solid backup. Got to probably run there. I mean, Jesse James is still part of the roster, if I'm not mistaken. So I think, you know, him and with, with Cole Komet and then now you have uh, Griffin and then obviously, you know, Jasper Horst, but I think those guys are going to give you, um, you know, some of the bulk, bulk of the, uh, the the time at tight end. The other thing is just you need another inline tight end, another blocker, especially if you're going to go to a two tight end set. Now, Jesse James, uh, you know, he's not known for his blocking, but I, I thought last year just watching him play, I think I think when he was on the field, again, a guy who, who doubled some injuries, when he was on the field, he was he was effective. And now, he, now he's not a devastating inline blocker. But again, I, I've always said that if you're when you're blocking, especially if you're a guy that's not great at it, as long as you get in between, keep your body in between the, the defender and your offensive player, I think you, you know you're effective. So if Jesse James can do that, he could be another guy that that could be a you know a, a, a staple in terms of that two tight end set. By the way, uh, Neil, before you talk about Griffin, uh, Nomad in the chat room wants you to take down that Lou Holtz picture. <laughs> do what now? Take down that Lou Holtz picture. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. You you take that back. Grace may never walk the face. That's between you and Nomad. <laughs> I'm staying out of that. I just like to instigate. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on this tight end? Been around a while. Yeah, and I think if you look at what he's done over the course of his career, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of production, but when he has been on the field, he's been efficient, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. in, in in terms of uh, balls caught, yardage gained, touchdown scored, and a very limited uh, opportunity. So mm-hmm. that that right away tells you that you know that the kid at least is about the right things. He works hard, and uh, you know he's going to bring a lot of experience and leadership into that locker room. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we we got a little bit of depth, and, and again, you know, you, you can't ever have too much depth, uh, especially at a position where you don't you don't only need guys to to fill in at a high contact position, but also for special teams. You know, I can imagine this guy's going to play a lot of uh, you know field goal block or field yeah field goal block and. Uh, you know, uh, um, you know, PAT and everything else. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, quality signing, and that's all that polls has done. This offseason so far is just nothing but quality signings. You know, made made a you know half a splash here, half a splash there. Try to make a big splash with with uh, the, the uh, inside D lineman that didn't work out. You know, hopefully you can figure out a way to uh, you know pull him back in. But uh, you know, the thing about it is, is, you know, polls is doing with what he can in terms of the, of the resources that he was left, which is very little. So, you know, give him credit. What the, uh, what do you guys think? Ravi asks about Kokomet. Do you think that Kokomet at what twenty two years old, uh, his future looks bright, or are you do you have any concerns? 
Well, in terms of in terms of Cole Komet, I think you know the you know the jury's still out on him. I mean, he's still a, a you know a young player, developing player. I think we saw some more positive you know play out of him last year, his second year in the league, as opposed to what we saw in his rookie season. But you know, I think just you know this type of offense, type of system, I think we've seen where they they might might emphasize tight end more. Now you might say, oh well, wasn't Nagy part of the you know the, the Chiefs system and where they have Travis Kelsey? Yeah, but but Nagy was part of the Chiefs system, but he had no idea what he was doing in terms of you know. Getting getting players yet he kept a tight end Jimmy Graham for nine million a season on, on the roster because he was a red zone threat but he had never played him in a red zone so I I, I wasn't sure what they were doing their plan at tight end but I, I think Cole Komet you saw glimpses of what he can do um, again he's he's to me right now the only you know really the wide inline block in blocking tight end on on this roster so unless they pick up another another guy or off the off the off the you know free agent. Um, uh, uh, market here. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think he's a guy just kind of continue, let him just develop and get better. I think him and Justin Fields, I think some positives last year was you saw a little bit of a connection there uh, with him and Justin Fields in a couple of games. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't what you wanted to see. But definitely, I think, you know, for me, at least the jury's still out on Cole Komet. And, and I'm not going to say he's a bust or he's not going to be productive, you know, moving on forward here. Mm-hmm. I want to get back uh, to the cornerback area because we're going to talk a lot about corners tonight. You guys have uh, selected uh, several players for us to evaluate, but this is the room as it stands now based on what I just looked at over at the the Chicago Bears team roster uh, website. Jalen Johnson, Thomas Graham Jr., Lamar Jackson, not that Lamar Jackson, of course, Michael Joseph, who, by the way, is 30 years old, and he has spent his entire career on the practice team with the Bears. So he's definitely a camp body. Uh, Bo Pete Keys, who uh, played at Kansas City and showed some promise. So he might be one of those guys that they're got their fingers crossed about uh, Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor. Overall, what do you guys think about this cornerback room as it stands now, and how badly do we need to still attack it? Uh, Neil, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I still think it's a, it's a day two pick, you know. I, and uh, again, I, I talked about it uh, for a couple straight weeks. You know, you got Jalen Johnson, obviously, he's, he's your uh, you know returning stud. Mm-hmm. Thomas Graham, I believe, is your second guy. We just signed our, our nickel, and then you have Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor, which are guys that can you know fill in spots. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, you know, I still don't think we've we've seen probably the peak of Kendall Vildor, you know. And I'm I'm eager to see what uh, this defensive staff can do once they get their hands on him. Um, but you know, thing is, is is you're you're talking about a guy that has showed promise here and there, made a splash here and there, uh, really hasn't put anything consistent together, has given us probably more headache than than, than happy times. So uh, you know, a lot a lot of the jury's still out on most of the guys in, in, in that room. Again, I you know, Jalen is is the returning guy that you feel really good about. Thomas, you're hopeful about our new signing, you're you know, solid, you know, player. And uh the rest of it is is either camp bodies or, or depth. And and so I, I still think you need that fourth guy to come in, a, a young guy to learn and potentially compete for the the second outside spot on day one. And I think we have a good handful of guys that are, you know in position to potentially do that once they come in the door, if we draft them, we're going to talk about today. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, Danny, your thoughts on this CB room as it stands. Well, I, I think that the NFC North quarterbacks are looking at that CB room and just, just clicking their chops and getting ready to throw against those guys. Because I mean, if you have a guy named Bull 
Pete Keys. No, no, no disrespect to Bo Pete Keys, but uh, I've never, I have never heard of Bo Pete Keys before. So, uh, but although I play well at Kansas, so at Kansas City, so we'll see what it does in, in training camp. But, uh, but you know, well, you know, I, I got guys like you no know, Jalen Johnson. Obviously, is the number one corner for re, for right now. I mean, you know, Thomas Graham Jr. Both Neil and I agree that he's a guy that got some showed some some uh, you know some competitiveness, some some ability there last last year toward tail in the season. Um, I'm still a believer in Kendall Vildor. I think this is a guy that could come in and, and compete for for that nickel position, maybe an opposite or, or via versus uh, Tavon Young. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, Michael Joseph is the um, the Harvey Unga of, of defense. So he's the guy that sticks around for years. <laughs> Unga was that fullback that always made the made the made the you know training camp and somehow stuck around. But uh, you know, Michael Joseph was the guy that I remember coming out. What uh, was a was a developmental corner. Uh, you know, good good size. I believe it was like six feet six one. Just had some injuries early on in his career, and I think those are kind of set him back. Uh, but again, yeah, I mean, this is not a room that that really can can you know can can you look at it and say, all right, you know, we've got guys buys that we can go and compete with. No, you can't. You're gonna have to add. You're gonna have to add probably via the draft, and and I would not stop adding via free agency as well. I mean, I mean, the more competitiveness you put in that in that room yeah. uh i think that, that's all you know competition makes makes everyone else better so mm-hmm. I, I think uh, besides jalen johnson and you know you have to bring someone in to compete against him as well just to kind of keep the fire burning behind his ass as well so uh you know for me it's 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 obviously a need uh i think neil and i and all of you agree as well that it's it's going to be one of those those you know key positions that are going to target early on in the draft unless they they do something here that shocks everyone and which is you know get, go get a, a big corner you know in terms of free agency and the only, i think the only one left out there if i'm not mistaken is, is stefan gilmore uh i don't think he has signed yet and again he's, he's an aging veteran but a guy that, that's going to command some some top dollar you know you know could, could that still be in the works it doesn't look like it it doesn't appear like it there's i've heard anything i've not heard anything about that kind of a, a signing but you know other than that i you know you this is still a priority and that's why neil and i really dug into the tape this week in terms of, of corners and i think that's something that we're you know you guys are gonna find interesting here yeah i'm looking forward to it and we'll get started in just a minute but i got this breaking news guys <laughs> oh god here we go oh lord Bo Pete Keys made his Bears debut week 15 last year versus the Vikings, playing five snaps on special teams as a reserve. So, I didn't, I didn't even notice him out there. What the hell is that? Bo Pete Keys? He's on he's been on the Bears roster since last season. <laughs> There's I've never I've never heard that name until just right now. I swear I don't even remember even seeing his what numbers you were. Um zero zero. <laughs> I don't know to be honest with you, uh, but uh, let me let me find out. Hold on a second. I, I think Aldo's making up names, man. I think Aldo's just making up names. Oh, trying, number two, a curveball here. I'm like, oh yeah, Bo Pete Keys. He's got good length. He's got you know quick feet, quick twitch. You guys can come in and compete. Yeah, right. Although Aldo wasn't able to give us any uh, April Fool's garbage, la- you know, last week because we had a show the day before. So this is he's making up for it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's uh he's definitely uh there he is. Hold on. He's on the Bears website, as you see it there at the top. Bears, Bo Pete, number 26, experienced three oh, years. And then down at the bottom, 2021 season, made his Bears debut week 15 versus the Vikings, playing five snaps. Uh, he was a, originally a seventh-round draft pick. You know what? This g- crazy game of football, that happens sometimes where you, there are just players that you don't even know that they uh, are on the team. Why is this, why, why is this video up on there? Um so anyway, um, it is what it is. Uh, let's get started with the evaluation of cornerbacks. Overall, uh, Neil and Danny, what do you think about the quality of cornerbacks that is a part of the 2022 NFL draft? Well, Go ahead, just, Danny. 
for for me, I mean, just just looking at the at the position right now. I mean, you you can if you want big, tall corners, you know, guys that can that can bump and press you at the line of scrimmage, you got that here. If you want smaller, diminutive corners, you got that here as well. But the one thing, and I think Neil, I'm not sure, I'm curious to see what your thought is, but I think if you want a quality corner to come in and and, and contribute, possibly year one or year two, you're gonna have to get them within the first first three rounds of of this draft. You can't wait until you know you, you can you can get some prospects, guys that are what I call developmental corners or prospects in the, in the day three of, of this draft. But if you want impact guys, potential impact guys, you got to attack them within the first, probably first two rounds, to be honest with you. Because I think typically you see that run on cornerbacks go off and off the board in the second round. I think we're going to have a possibly about three, two or three going the first round, if not more. And we're going to have a ton of them going in the second round. So I think that's where you're going to have to attack this and being armed with those two second round picks. That's where I think Ryan Poles kind of maybe, maybe, you know, kind of foresaw this happening and just said, all right, let me get something because I need someone on offense. I need something on defense. And defense is definitely going to be a cornerback. So uh, definitely attack it on, on first, you know, two days of this draft. And then again, if you eye somebody and, and on day three, we got a couple of prospects here we can kind of talk about. Terms of guys that developmental guys, guys have some some traits that you like, but just haven't put their game all together yet. But if you bring them in, you coach them up, you could have something there. So you know those are the type of guys you get on day three. But definitely, if you want an impact player, you got to go get it uh, in that second or third round. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the interesting thing about it is that you got a bunch of guys that are prototypes. You know, you got a bunch of guys with length and and height and and uh, size and uh athletic traits you know speed and quickness and explosion and and all those different types of things and i think for the most part and i mean and really what we're going to find on day two are are guys that you know you spend a lot of time in the kitchen you just need the the final bit of seasoning on there and, and they're going to be ready to go and i think that you know again we got a couple guys we're talking about tonight they're going to fit that kind of mold guys that uh that uh you know have put some good things together on tape guys that have measurables guys that have traits and they just need a little bit more coaching, a little bit more, you know, molding of the play-doh to get into where you want them to be. Uh, it's a really interesting class. But yeah, I agree with Danny. It's like once you get outside of of uh, day two, it's uh, pretty slim pickings. I mean, you, you got you again, you got some guys with traits, but you know, in, instead of just a little pepper on top, you know, a little Italian seasoning mixed in before you take it skilled off the off the burner, man. You got you got some guys that I mean, you're, you're talking about the very beginning of the recipe. So uh, yeah, you got some 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 natural athletes. You got some natural size guys. Um, and no point am I ever going to you know, pound the table for taking a diminutive corner, but you know, there are a bunch of those. Uh, <laughs> There's a couple but, tonight that I'm going to talk about that I really, really like in terms of potential, you know, day yeah. three guys. Yeah. And you know, there, there's, there's a couple of guys, there's a couple of day two guys that would probably fall where we are in five and six, I think are mm -hmm. really, really tasty. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about those down the road, but uh, tonight we're going to try and talk about guys that we're looking at on day two or, or have been hyped as day two guys, wherever the case may be. And uh, we're kind of break these guys down and, and uh, let you guys in on what we see. All right. Let's start with our first guy, Alante Taylor. Take it away, Danny. Yeah. T Taylor's a guy that really has has kind of shot up the draft boards recently. It, it started with the Senior Bowl, his performance at the Senior Bowl. Then it went, he went over to, to the Combine where he ran a 4'3", 6'40". You know, his kid, kid's got size at 6 feet, 199 pounds, a three-time SEC academic honor roll. So the kid's got a, got a head on his shoulders. Uh, but really, his explosiveness, his lower body explosiveness was really on display at, at the combine, 34 and a half inch vertical, a 10 plus foot broad jump. Uh, but again, six feet, 199 pounds, got really good length in terms of 32 and, and, a, and a quarter arm. So, but there are some some things in his, in his games that I love, some things in his games that I don't like. So, although let's go ahead and start with this first clip here. And we're going to start off here again. 
Taylor is a taller cornerback, right? So he's a guy that is going to have some trouble staying with these quicker, shiftier receivers on, on comeback and hitch routes. So those quicker hitting routes, you know, here you see him, you know, there's some lower body stiffness, you know, that kind of hinders some of his change of direction along with, you know, the long limbs, the long strides. He's unable to consistently sink his hips and just change directions and, and you know, stop and start. So you'll see some of that when he when he's pressing against these guys that are, that are just quicker and more shiftier and faster than him. But the other thing that, that it gives you is, is it gives you that size dimension. So that's why I think playing a more off-man coverage in, in a system like the Bears might be a more ideal fit for him. So I, here again, we're just talking about quicker, faster guys. It's a little bit difficult for him to stay, stay you know, in, in, in phase with them, therefore. Here, second clip, we're got, he's going to play some off-man coverage. You see him here playing that bail technique with that half turn, you know, playing inside leverage. You know, he sees that play develop in front of him, just plants and comes downhill aggressively. This is what you're going to want to see in, the, in these off man or these zone corners, guys that are aggressive coming downhill and they can wrap up and make a tackle, right? Again, plays off man, has the uh, coverage awareness to be able to peek into the, into the backfield, still know what, what's going on in terms of his guys and around him, but then just plants and transitions quickly. And that's what I'm looking for. Can you plant? Can you come downhill quickly? And then most importantly, can you wrap up or bring down the ball carrier? And as you see here, that's what Taylor can, can give you here. Some of that, some of that, you know, quickness and some of that physicality post catch. Clip uh, number three is on its way. Here's another slow motion look at that play you just described, Danny. Uh, it's pretty You'll good. Do some homework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty good tackler, huh? Yeah, that's the thing. He's aggressive, and that's why you don't see them, especially guys with with. And that's the thing is that this guy is is uh he loves football. You could tell he just is plays with tenacity. You know, his competitive toughness is is off the charts here. And from what I can tell on, on his on his tape, and also when I saw him down at the Senior Bowl, kid does not get back down. The kid will compete. So th this next clip here, you know, we're, again we're talking about an aggressive press corner, right? This is a guy that that possesses those, those the lengthy lock in those in his arms, about thirty two plus inch arm length. And you see him here just, just being able to disrupt the receiver's release, and he can reroute the receiver at the line of scrimmage, right? With his aggressive jam, he throws off the timing of, of the quarterback, and now he has the quarterback kind of look away from his initial receiver. Again, look at him, just kind of extend his arms, press, reroute, knock the, uh, the receiver's uh, uh, neck back there. Uh, uh, you know, quarterback gives him a quick look and says, all right, this guy's been rerouted. His, his timing's been thrown off, so now the quarterback goes ahead and looks away from him, his initial target, and now does a, you know, there's an incomplete pass here, or, or go, I'm sorry, goes to a second uh, option here and just kind of, you know, but he, what he could do there, what Taylor can do there is with that length, that aggressiveness and ability to press and jam and reroute the line of scrimmage, he can throw off the timing of an offense of a quarterback and then allow your, you know, another half second or whatnot for your defensive uh, lineman to get to the quarterback possibly or make him, you know, make the quarterback kind of, you know, hot, you know, rush and, and maybe, you know, make a bad throw or, or off timing or, or disrupt the play. But that that is very important when you see these big, strong physical corners at the line of scrimmage can they press you know can they reroute can they throw the the timing of a play off and taylor you know for what he lacks in terms of change of direction and we saw in that first clip he certainly makes up for in his aggressive play and his ability to like i said press and jam at the line of scrimmage the one thing about this play that uh he, he um is totally aware of that he's got safety help right Right, right. Uh, this guy who was by at the 11 yard line. And so he uh, can play that kind of, it looks to me like he might be perfect for, like Danny said a minute ago, perfect for that uh, cover two type defense. Exactly. And that, that's the thing you're going to look for in these cornerbacks. You're going to want, you want to look for cornerbacks that could do 
have that coverage awareness, have the ability to play their their responsibilities, their sound assignment cornerbacks, but also guys that can transition quickly, come down, wrap up, and tackle. But also, you know what? When you need them to play man press, man coverage, can do this, something like that. Can also can can you know bang them at the line of scrimmage, can reroute at the line of scrimmage, and throw off the timing of, of a play. So you know that's what you're looking for in this type of a system. You're not looking for a guy that really can can necessarily you know come off and just continue mirroring down the field and all that stuff. I mean, those guys are great. Don't don't get me wrong. But also, you, you've got to take guys that don't necessarily have the the, the downfield aggressive, you know, speed to, to stay in phase to be more aggressive up at the line of scrimmage, and that's what you kind of look for here in the system. You know, Peanut Tillman wasn't a guy that covered, you know, uh, down the field every every single time. He was a guy that was aggressive. You know, he's a guy that that jammed the line of scrimmage, was in the receiver's face again, throwing off the timing, giving your defensive lineman a chance to get up there and make a play at the quarterback. So, this next clip here is again. Uh, we're showing some of the aggressiveness here of, of, of Taylor. You know, here he guesses incorrectly at the snap, opens to that outside leverage, cannot really recover, to, so his jam is, is ineffective, all right, So that, and, and slowing down the receiver. So the wideout does a nice job of crossing his face and then create that separation with, with that quickness. You know, here Taylor shows why sometimes his, his aggressive play and that demeanor can get him in trouble, right? You know, nice job of disposing the, the, the receiver, but, but again, takes a bad angle to, to pick it here. So again, it comes down, gets first loses a battle at the line of scrimmage, right? And then loses the, the the receiver. Now he's trying to come down as as Pickett's trying to get out and and get the first down with his with his legs. You see, uh, you know, Taylor become a little more aggressive here. It takes a bad angle. Uh, you know, to, to the quarterback does a nice job again getting rid of the receiver, toss him to the side. But again, get that angle, get a better angle there. Maybe stop the quarterback short of of that first down. And now you you know get the ball out out of the hands of the offense. So uh, again, you, aggressive play. This is a guy that that will not back down. It's always more is always running 100 miles an hour every time you know he's on the football field. The only thing is he's got to get more discipline. Got to get more coached up a little bit. Just stay more in in, in your lane there. But you know, I, I never knock players for being too aggressive because you rather have an aggressive player than a passive player. But there's times where, like that example right there, he just got a little bit too out ahead of himself, took a real bad angle, and allowed the quarterback to get a first down. All right, here's the final clip. Uh, this against uh, South Alabama. Yep, and here you see a nice job here. Just kind of again, this is going to be some some. Uh, I think this is, this is press coverage, or right, he's going to ball off. Nope, yep, he gets out the line of scrimmage, gets his hand on the receiver, all right, releases his man, turns and finds a football. Again, sees it, you know, you know, he sees a pass out on the flat, kind of was reading it prior to the snap. They kind of knew what was going to happen there. You know, sees the ball out on the flat, turns, and it turns on, and he bursts and attacks downhill, again, with aggression to go ahead and tackle, make the tackle, and limit the gain here. Again, I'm talking about a guy that that's has coverage awareness, right? Knows what's going on in the field. You know, maybe knew he had some help over the top. Could go ahead and release this guy. Saw the the play going out to the flat, and then comes right down with no hesitation. Aggressive goes out. Now I want him to get a little bit lower, right? I want him to get a little bit lower there and wrap me wrap up the ankles. But you know, he does does go waist high. He doesn't at least doesn't go shoulder pad high. It goes waist high, but it does a job. Gets the guy down. And this is what I'm talking about: guys that can transition quickly, come downhill. And again, make the tackle and make the play. And, and and what we've seen so far with Taylor is he's got the size, he's got the speed, the, the long speed. He's got four, three, six long speed. So he can stay in phase on those deep, doing those you know those goal routes, those routes down the field. The other thing is he does a nice job of being able to then plant, come back down, transition, and make a tackle. Now, does he get lost on some of these quicker, shiftier routes? You know, does he have the ability to cover inside quicker, shifter, you know, slack receivers? He doesn't have that thing. He's just a bigger corner, a guy that can again make make a play on the outside of, of the numbers. Uh, but again, plays with that aggression. I just I just love seeing that on, on tape. Neil, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I love the kid. I've, I've been wanting to talk about this kid for two leagues, and we just keep on running out of time. <laughs> this is another one of those kids that, that this is another one of those kids that I loved in high school, man. And I, I watched him through the recruiting process, and uh, you know, and then he gets to Tennessee and he throws up tape like this. You know, by the time we get to his senior year, um, aggressive as hell, physical as hell, explosive as hell. Um, you know, Danny talked a little bit about what he did at the combine. He goes into his uh, his pro day and even better's himself there. He he runs a he, he jumps a three nine inch vertical and 11 one broad jump those are elite numbers when it comes to guys that are six foot 200 pounds that they're they're playing on the corner so i mean that that was tasty as hell um you, you like his length a lot um got invited to senior bowl and, and popped a 20.53 uh, miles an hour during the game at senior bowl a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about today the guy a lot of the guys we talked about last week and the week prior they're putting up 22s during practice and that's fine everything's you're running around shorts and underwears and everything else but you know during the game if you're if you're popping above 20 you're doing you're doing uh, pretty damn good you're you're, play, you're playing pretty damn fast but the other thing that was extremely impressive about the way this kid played during the game was that he popped a 6.67 yards per sec, per second acceleration burst which is i think by far the 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 longest stride most explosive gait that uh any of these db any of these defensive players had on game day. And so that, that tells you a little bit about how he plays on the field, what kind of lower, lower body explosion that he has as aggressive as he is and what kind of thump he's, he's coming downhill with. Um, you know, Dan talked about the academic side of things, three-time academic honor. He's got his shit together. Uh, his play history, 45 games. This is going to be a, a, a trait tonight, guys. It's going to be a, a, a consistency. A lot of these guys we talked about have a, a ton of play history. Um, Alante Taylor specifically 45 games played 34 started. Uh, Mule threw up the stats from last year. Over the course of his career, 162 tackles, 115 of those were solo. Uh, four picks, 19 PBUs, four forced fumbles, two defensive touchdowns. Had a pick during the Senior Bowl. So, you know, productive kid, was a four-year player at Tennessee. And he came in with a ton of hype, you know, as a receiver. As a receiver, right? yeah. yep. Yeah, so he, he comes in as a receiver, switches over to the defensive side of the ball and has this kind of production. Um, we, we see in the highlights how he plays multiple styles. He's impressed. He's off. Sports to run like hell, um, you know, and, and again, like, you know, we talk about the good and the bad. The things I love about him is that he's a really good open field tackler when he gets his hands on you. Right. But can easily be juked out because he does play so kind of tight and narrow, you know, within himself. And that kind of drives me crazy a little bit. He has a really odd stiffness about him that, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's really hard to to sort of, uh, you know, place him in, in, in my my list of players, you know, where they fall. Uh, in, in order because, you know, there's a lot of things you love about the kid. There's some things that drive you crazy about the kid. I think that that's a lot of technique, you know, related issues that can be fixed. And, and again, we're talking about a kid that barely played in a corner throughout the course of his career, throughout the course of his life. So I think that, you know, these are things that could probably be fixed. But a kid that run and jump as well as he did, uh, you know, you know, I, I was I was kind of wondering as I was going through the, the, this evaluation, you know, he never did any of the agility drills. We don't have those numbers, can't find them anywhere. I just wonder if, if that's because, you know, maybe he is that stiff and he didn't want right. to, you know, be found out or if he just decided he, you know, didn't want to do those, which is fine. I mean, he, we see a plenty of stuff on tape that, right. that will make, you know, people like us in the four walls of a scouting department love him. Right. Right. Um, but his game is strength and physicality all the way. He right. loves contact. He hits hard. He's strong against blocks. He'll mix it up, uh, plays a ton of energy and juice, too. You know, in between plays, he's celebrating. He's, he's hyping his teammates up. He's, he's yelling. He, he's flexing. You, you love that kind of swag that he brings. Um, and, uh, you know, great communicator. You can see that on tape. Uh, and also selected by his peers to uh, the SEC Leadership Council. So in terms of leadership, in terms of, you know, you know, being a guy that, that, that could be you know, looked up to, a guy that can, that can rally the troops, 
you know, he's got all those types of things. He was the SEC Leadership Council. He served as vice chair. And, uh, you know, he also, if we can go back a couple years, guys, when everything was kind of grim during 2020, we didn't know whether we we're going to play football or not. He was one of those guys that helped everyone see the light and live in reality. You know, we play, we can play ball. It's okay. You know, he, he, he was one of the guys that really pounded his fists on the table and uh, got the 2020 season underway. So, you know, commend him for that. Intelligence, leadership, intangibles are high. Um, I think in terms of when, when you look at the pluses versus the minuses, there's a lot more pluses than there are minuses. And a lot of the minuses are things that are probably coachable, but you're probably not going to take them high on day two because of that. But you, you do want to get, you know, you, you do want to get your hands on them and, and uh, mold the play those, so to speak. But uh, he's a guy that I think that, that can, you know, be a potential option later on day two if, if we're uh, if we're there in still needing a corner. See, this thing is like, this is the kid like you can kind of watch on tape right now. And, and Neil touched on the fact that he didn't do any of the agility testing or anything like that. And, and even if you ran a say, for example, a six, a sub seven, three cone, we can tell watching on tape. He doesn't have the change of direction ability that he needs to to match with those quicker shift right. cornerbacks. So with receivers. So I, we, you can tell what kind of corner he is. This guy is, is I think, tailor made for this system. The guy that can that can press and reroute at the line of scrimmage. I can drop back, have that coverage awareness and then be able to quickly transition and, and more importantly, be able to wrap up and, and make the tackle. So I think that is something that you know what this kid is. And this is what we talk about again, coaching staff putting in players and position to succeed. You know, you're not going to line up this guy up against a slot, quick slot corner, because he's, he's not going to succeed there. But you put him up against those bigger your receivers, the, the DK Metcalfs or, or guys like that, the bigger body receivers. You know, he's got the speed and the size to run with DK Metcalf downfield. You know, he's got the ability to keep, to press and, and, and maybe reroute and slow down DK Metcalf at the line of scrimmage. You know, that those are the kind of matchups you put, you put him in, in position to go ahead and succeed. I think the right coaching staff Putting him in the right system can can and with this kid's competitive nature and his willingness to to be a, a dog on on Sundays, uh, I think this mm -hmm. guy's got a chance to be a, one of those steal of, of the draft if you get him in the right position. I love aggressive dudes, man. I, I love the way this kid plays. Yeah. What do you guys think about what Dane Brugler uh, writes in his uh, uh, draft scouting report, which he calls the beast, which it definitely is. It's an outstanding uh, piece of work. He writes in his summary, overall, Taylor was primarily used as an outside corner for the volunteers, but he has versatility, versatility across the secondary and a move to safety might be his best option because of his range and physical demeanor. He will see a heavy dose of special teams in the NFL and might be a team's best option as a gunner. And he has him targeted as a fourth round pick. What do you think about possibly Taylor moving to that safety position? Well, like we, we talked about it with some of these offensive linemen, uh, I think when, when Damian was on in terms of, you know, these tackles that project inside the guard, possibly, you know, like, like, for, you know, we say, give him a chance to fail a tackle before you move into the guard. For yeah. me with Taylor is give him a chance to fail at corner before I move him to safety. You know, I, I like I said, I, I love the kid's ability in terms of playing out the outside and, and being disruptor uh, on the outside there. Um, you know, I, I think you said Dane had him in the, going in the fourth round. Is, is that, is that, yeah. yeah, see, I, I don't see him. I mean, maybe, maybe I see him, you know, uh, late date, you know, you know, late second round, early third round. I, I don't see him dropping in, into that fourth round. I, I'd be shocked if he falls into the fourth round range if he's available on day three because I just think that size, that speed, the athletic ability, and the and the willingness to tackle and the aggressiveness. I think that sometimes gonna some teams gonna love him and, and maybe grab grab him in that middle to, to late second round area. So we'll see how it goes. Like I said, remember that that run on corners is gonna happen that second round, and now mm -hmm. you're gonna see teams in the later rounds trying you know get one of these guys. And I think you, that's a prime position where where Taylor could fall. Now, if the Bears do like this kid, if the coaching staff says, "Hey, bring this kid in," you know, maybe you could drop down from from pick forty eight or or thirty nine or whatnot and move on down some slots, 
recoup some draft capital for the fourth round or fifth round, and then still get this kid if you targeted him in the middle to, to late part, part of the second round. So we'll see how that how that happens, see if the Bears like him, how much they like him. But definitely, I, I, I think fourth round is, if he's there, this kid's a steal. Yeah, I, I, that was actually something I thought about in terms of my uh, over, the, over the course of my evaluation process was the uh, the idea of potentially moving this kid to safety, given how how physical he was and how uh, you know in, in intense he comes downhill, the odd narrow stiffness that that you know he showed on tape. I thought, well, you know, if, if he doesn't work out a corner, I bet this kid would be a badass at safety. And with our our need of strong safety down the road, and well, who knows, free safety even too, if if uh, Eddie Jackson has to get his head out of his ass. But you know, you know, in in terms of position specific versatility, um, you always love guys that you can do multiple things with, right? That that's that's one of the most valuable things you can have is position versatility. So if if he's a guy that could project, you know, in in either room, then I you know again, you know, with with those kind of measurables, uh, I think you have a steal. Very good, um, Neil. Stay with you, and why don't you talk to us about Kobe Bryant? Kobe Bryant. Hell yeah. So <laughs> this kid is really interesting to me too. Um, so Kobe, I watched four games on, I think it was the, uh, the Alabama game, IU, uh, the uh, championship game against uh, Houston. And then I got PTSD, you know, against Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I tried to find plays where he got borderline embarrassed or beat and I couldn't find anything. And the, the, the kid is, is, yeah, he won the, the Thorpe Award for a reason. Let's just go ahead and say that. Um, mm-hmm. Just off the bat, you look at him. Uh, physically, he's just a well-built kid. He, he's He's got a, a big frame. Six, one and a half, almost 191 pounds. He measured it at the senior bowl. Um, you know, nine and a half hands almost. Uh, nine, uh, 30 and a quarter arms. 74-inch uh, wingspan. Um, if you're talking in terms of the miles per hour, the, the GPS tracking, you know, during a senior bowl, clocked a 918 over the course of the game. It's still very good. Um, ran a five, a four, five, four 40 at the combine, but then came followed up with a four, four, seven at his pro day, improved upon his time, showed that he does have the speed. He wasn't just marginal, which I think was key. I, I think a lot of people were really, uh, sort of a uh, whole hum on him when he tested at the combine, not that you're supposed to be that way. And, and I know a lot of media people probably said some things, but he followed it up with a four, four, seven show like, yeah, you know, I can go ahead and blaze it up a little bit. Um, like I said, Thorpe Award winners from Glenville, Ohio, a tag in, you know, program over there. Um, 2020, 2021, first team all ACC, two, two straight years. 2021, first team all America and uh, team captain. You know, and I, I love these guys kind of like with Alante Taylor. I love these guys that have leadership capabilities. And, you know, you talk about like, you know, what you see in between plays when you're watching film, what you see pre-snap, what you see post-snap, the way that he goes about either congratulating his teammates or, or in, in terms of pre-snap, the way that he, he uh, communicates with his teammates, he's often the one making calls, getting guys in position, you know, uh, you know, relaying info, wherever the case may be. Um, those, are, those are all big-time pluses with me. Uh, in terms of play history, 63 games played. He was one of those kids that, that came back for an extra COVID year, uh, 49 starts, you know, four-year starter for this kid. Last year, 46 tackles, 11 uh, passes broken up, three picks, three forced fumbles. Um, he's a guy that if you, you know, go ahead and watch the film, you know, in-depth, plays predominantly off man and some zone as opposed to the other guy sauce, which I mean, you know, for the record that dude, if you're talking about physical as hell corners, that dude can bring some wood. I mean, it, it was impressive watching him. I didn't really go in depth in watching, uh, you know, sauce because really, really don't have any shot of getting the kid, but just watching him on the opposite side of the field while I was watching Kobe I and mean, that, that kid's impressive. But uh, so, you know, Kobe, um, Kobe's on the opposite side, he plays field very loose, very quick, twitched up. 
And uh, he's a floater. I mean, he, he's a very easy move, uh, very easy mover. He's easy to stay with his receiver. Uh, he uses his length well. What, what, I mean, if, if you want to say what little of it he has, he's not as long as some of these other guys, but he uses what he has well. He's a guy adequate length. He uses it well. Uh, he, he keeps himself in the hip pocket, feels out the receiver down the field. Um, when playing up on the receiver, he shows a nice jam arm disrupting the route, and he's very sticky in coverage. Uh, generally, wherever uh, you didn't see you know, m- much press, but you saw he, he showed enough to be able to execute you know, press man coverage. He was physical enough when necessary, but he's definitely more of a finesse guy. Um, tackles well enough. I think that's one thing he needs to, needs to improve is his consistency in terms of his, uh, his, uh, uh, tackle technique and, uh, you know, the way he comes downhill, his aggressiveness, so to speak. Um, but, uh, you know, again, if, if you talk about being a locker room guy, he's talked of very highly in terms of his leadership, his football intelligence, as far as him being a communicator, I talked about him relaying the calls. You could see him, um, easily in, uh, in, uh, you know, round three. Um, I like him as an early day three guy, possibly also, you know, with the intangibles, the body type, the athletic traits, a uh, little bit of room for development. Um, eventually will be a starter. I think he's a guy that could come in and compete immediately. So I think he falls in that later day three, early day four range for me. For, for me with, with, with Kobe, the, the thing I like about him is, is his size. You know, I talk about 6'1", 193 pounds. We talk about some of that aggressive nature in terms of his ability to play corner. Again, I think this kid's an off-man cover corner. Again, ideally fit for this bear scheme, yes. Um, there are some concerns for me with him uh, as opposed to what, what Neil had just said. You know, For me, it, it all started at the senior bowl. I, I saw him get beat a lot across his face mask a lot in the senior bowl. That tells me he doesn't have that – that, that agility, that quickness to be able to stay with these receivers, uh, you know, at, you know, at the line of scrimmage. So that's why I like him more on that off, off man coverage, aggressive coming downhill. Uh, he's, he's a willing run defender, which I do like as well. I've talked about that, that length at six, one and, and 193 pounds, that size. I, I do like that as well. Um, you know, just to me, he's, he's not a guy that, that can, that could stick with, you know, with receivers, uh, you know, going across the field on crossers and all that stuff. So I think he has some trouble there. Could it be cleaned up a little bit with technique, possibly with some coaching, but uh, definitely a guy that, that I kind of had high hopes for coming into the senior bowl and kind of disappointed me. I think for me, it's been downhill ever since then, but if you're talking about a guy, see right now, I, I got him as, as a, as a day three, I'm not sorry, as a, as a third round pick. So I think if, if you get him, if, if you go offense and in, in, in terms of the first two picks, I'll offensive line and receiver and a kid again like a Kobe Bryant and on the 71st pick, then I can, I mean, that's, that's a solid, solid, you know, value pick there for me as well. So, but again, I think he's, he's, he's a good fit for this defense. There are some, some issues with him in terms of, of coverage, being able to stick with receivers and coverage downfield. Um, you know, at times he hasn't tracked the football very well for me. doesn't, you know, is late turning his head and, and trying to find the football, you know, not consistent with that, with that aspect of his game. So, you know, serve some things there. Again, those are things you coach up, right. Uh, you know, being beat off the line of scrimmage uh, right away. And in, in when he's trying to press, you know, he, you know, it doesn't use his, his strength, if you will, to kind of jam and reroute receivers uh, the way I like, like to see him, you know, and put on tape. So, um, you know, definitely a, a guy that, that you can work with, but not, not, uh, you know, someone that I would kind of, like Neil said, he's more of a developmental kid guy. You kind of come in and, and maybe, you know, coach up and, and before he's a finished product. Here's what uh, Dane Brugler writes. Uh, he said that he's responsible, not Brugler, <laughs> but the cornerback we're talking about, responsible for 15 forced turnovers, 
uh, in his career, 10 interceptions, five forced fumbles, penalized only once in 2021, a pass interference call against South Florida. Dependable run defender, as you just said, Danny, battles through injuries, fractured his hand early in the 2019 season and played the rest of the season with a cast. Two-year ca- uh, captain, he strives to compete with that Mamba mentality, mentality uh, so those are those are some of his strengths and uh, as uh, the weaknesses that he's pointed out, both you and uh, Danny and Neil have uh, talked about. So he's kind of an interesting guy uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, Brugler does have him listed as a potential third round pick. The, the one thing I did forget, some of the positive I do like about him on his tape, uh, Dane touched about it in terms of his ball skills. Ten interceptions, I believe 35 pass, you know, pass defense in his career. And one thing is he's aggressive at the catch point, right? He's a guy that will go after that football with the receiver at the catch point. So, uh, you know, that's one thing I do like about his game as well. So that, that's something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. You're muted, Aldo. I uh, left camera and muted because I was blowing my nose. I didn't want you guys to see or hear that <laughs> disgusting thing. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, who do you got next there, Danny? Well, my next guy is, is Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State. And, and the theme you're going to see here tonight, guys, is, is size, right? This is another guy that's got size at 6'2", 199 pounds. But we talked about with, with Taylor size. We talked a little bit about Kobe Bryant with size. But this is a different kind of cat. This is This is not an aggressive – a physical corner. You know, he's a guy that size at 62199 and he's got explosive speed at 433, almost a 40-inch vertical, you know, a 132 broad jump, uh ran a 6483 cone which shows that change of direction. So this is more of like of a cover corner kind of guy. It's not a guy that's going to be physical at the line of scrimmage, but when you put on his tape, you know, you see something that that's really really impressive. You attend I started 10 games as a freshman in 2017 four-year starter, which, you know, rare to see nowadays in college football. But Aldo, if we go ahead and start rolling this kid's tape here, uh, this, this first clip here, we're going to, we're going to show here, look how he, he misses the jam at the release here, misses the jam at the line of scrimmage, right? The receiver was able to get off and, and run his crossing route, but watch Zion fight through traffic and use his long strides and speed to be able to run down the receiver from behind. So I like his competitiveness here right away. I like the way he doesn't give up on a play because, you know, he messed up at the line of scrimmage, got bumped there a little bit, but you know what? I'm going to track this kid down using that 4 three, three, three speed to be able to get this receiver and bring him down to the ground. So, you know, this is where I talk about, you know, Taylor, we saw him just press, jam the guy, rewrite him with the line of scrimmage. McCollum won't do that. McCollum, you know, doesn't have the, the long arms that Taylor, you know, is only about 30 inch arms as opposed to 32 inch arms for Taylor. Doesn't have the physicality in, in his frame like Taylor, but he does have that speed, that that, that coverage ability that you're going to see later on on some of these clips here when he gets downfield. Uh, but again, we're talking about here just competitive, you know, drive to be able to go and make that play and go ahead and 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 just you know. Uh, not give up on a play. And I want I want to see that on the corner, especially since he missed that jam at the line of scrimmage. This second clip here, we're going to see him lined up in the slot here, press coverage. He's able to open up his hips and then run step for step with the receiver down the field, staying attached to his hip pocket. Right. This is what you want to see: a cover corner being able to get downfield with 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 the uh, with the receiver. Now the play doesn't go his way here, but look at him just in and step to step, lock for lock with that receiver coming off the slot. So now you're talking about you're lining up some of these you know these bigger receivers. You know the Larry Fitzgeralds when he was playing the Allen Robinsons. You know these big guys are being lined up in the slot now and being taken advantage of with these smaller, quicker you know slot corners. With a kid like McCollum, you can move him in. You can kind of have him follow this guy, shadow this receiver, even if he's lined up in the slot. He's got the agility, the quickness to be able to stay with the receiver off the line of scrimmage and also get, get with him downfield in terms of being in his hip pocket. So that's some of the the uh, the difference here we see with him. 
he's got the agility to be able to move and stay in with these receivers down in phase as opposed to Taylor was more of a you know uh, a, a guy more of an outside guy strictly and just stay with those bigger body receivers on those routes on the outside this third clip here we're going to see him again press coverage you know he trails the receiver on and on the shorter crossing route fights through the traffic, right? The receiver's path is impeded by, by his own men here as he gets knocked down. But look at McComb. He continues on his path and he adjusts and he makes a diving interception, right? So again, not giving up on a play, all right? He's fighting through traffic and you see him now continue his route and it makes a nice uh, adjustment here. That's body control. That's an ability to, to track the football. And of course, the hands to go ahead and reel it in and, and corral that ball and make an interception. Again, we're talking about a guy that can probably, you know, cross on either side of the field, can line up in the slot, can really stay with, in phase with the receiver. Uh, and this is this is some things that I like him, I like for McCollum. And again, with that 6'2", 199 frame, it's also a plus there as well. And this is clip. Is this clip, is this the clip still on that one, yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll move over to clip four now. All right. And then here, I, I just want to show you guys some some special teams value here as, as we get to clip four here real quick. Uh, we see McCollum here. Uh, he's not just a guy playing defense. You can line up here at special teams and watch him just kind of fly off the football here with that burst, that bend, and just lay out with that length to go ahead and block this game-winning field goal. So he brings you some of that extra value too. We don't, we don't usually think of these guys on special teams, but we touch on it with Taylor in terms of him being able to go down and be a coverage guy. You know, we, McCollum here shows his ability to fly off the edge. Again, that 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 bend to be able to you know, you know turn that corner and flatten to the football extend out and block a game-winning field goal. You know, you don't think of these things until you see them on tape. Yep. And here, this, this is the last one here. This is, again, a press coverage versus a bigger body receiver we're going to see here. It does a nice job of just mirroring him off the line of scrimmage and, and it's, again, stays in phase. You know, however, it's a tad late turning and low kicking the football, right? Um, and, and so his, his lack of play strength here, you know, allows the receiver to go ahead and use his size and strength to hold off McCollum and then beat him for the ball, resulting in a touchdown. You know, this is where I, I see him. He's got to get stronger. He's got to be able to learn to battle through that catch point. We talked about Kobe Bryant previously being able to battle through that catch point. All right, so a couple of things here with him. I like the way he's in phase. I like the way he gets off the line of scrimmage, but turns a little bit too late. So you got to learn that. That's a coaching technique. You got to learn that quickly, turn around, locate the football. And then the receiver is able to basically hold him off of him by one hand and then allows him to make the catch. So those are things he's going to have to get better at. He's going to get to get stronger. He's going to have to get more physical through the catch point. And those are some of the things you have to work on with, with this kid. Hmm. What do you think about this guy, Neil? Yeah, he's another one of these guys that have all the measurables that have a absolute ton of pluses and very coachable minuses. Um, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, what he did at, at, at senior bowl in terms of what he measured in at, it was actually about around 31 inch arms. Um, he was, he was well above 30 and three fourths. Yeah. Three, 30 and three quarters. I got, and then, uh, no, 31 and an eighth. He was at the, he was at uh, senior bowl, 30 and three quarters at, uh, at combine. So he's around 31, right? 74 inch, uh, you know, wingspan did clock. Another one of these guys that, that clocked a big time, uh, speed, in terms of the GPS at, at Senior Bowl in game, twenty point one miles per hour, which is you know obviously absurdly impressive. Um, at the combine, when in, in the uh, the agility drills, uh, came in at six four eight on the cone, three nine four on the shuttle. Again, elite numbers, uh, side to side movement, um, explosiveness. You put all those things together. You know, in, in terms of the measurables, in terms of you know underwear Olympics, man, he absolutely crushed it. Uh, kid with absurd play history, as you know, you know, Danny, you know, touched on it, you know, on the front end. You know, started as a freshman, 56 games played, 52 games started. Another one of these guys, I was a COVID senior, came back for one more year, uh, put up a bunch of numbers, 46 tackles, um, you know, three for loss, two forced fumbles, interception in 2021. Played multiple coverages at Sam Houston State, like a couple of these other guys, off-man, press jam, mirror zone, did it all. 
smooth athlete and a guy that I wouldn't necessarily look at as a ball of explosion because primarily he plays at full speed all the time at, on every snap during every play. He's always going, you know, full speed, and you don't you don't necessarily see those times where when he just like blows your mind with with what he does. Um, he showed how smooth he was uh, in in his uh, in his hips during combine drills. He's a guy that could be physical, and you like that sometimes he could be a guy that could be reckless. You like that he throws his weight around, throws his body around. He gives good effort in tackling, but that's one of the areas where I think he has to be more consistent. Uh, you saw a guy's quick out of his breaks, attacking the ball, fluid in transition, staying in phase and reacting. Uh, I like that he appears really poised in coverage, right? He's, he's a guy that, and I watched the uh, North Coast state game. I watched the Montana state game and I, I forget the third game that I watched, but you know, in all those games, you, you see him oftentimes being very patient with the wide receiver, especially when he's mirroring, uh, knowing that, you know, he's got the speed and athletic ability to uh, make up the difference if he gets out of position, which he does. And he, and he goes ahead and makes it up quickly. Um, diagnosis, the route stays in phase, uh, typically gets his head around the top to make a play on the ball. Um, which is another one of those things like Danny touched on, you know, he's definitely got to work on. And, and again, all these things that we're talking about, all the negatives, the minuses, they're all, they're all coachable things. Um, he shows instincts in the way that he reads the receiver, anticipates the double move, recovers very quickly. Uh, I like his closing speed on the ball. Uh, isn't, isn't afraid to bring some thump. Like I said before, very physical kid uh, competitiveness. He uses his length, his physical presence, his body positioning to affect the play, even though he doesn't necessarily always get the best jump on the ball, uh, high pointing, being competitive in the air. Um, again, things that are coachable, things that he needs to work on, not big minuses. Um, but, the, the, uh, one thing, the one thing I missed on Neil that I wanted to kind of bring up here is his ball skills. Guys, 13 interceptions through his career, right. 54 passes broken up and six forced fumbles, right? We're talking about a defense that's going to, you know, that's going to you know want to get that ball out. This is a guy that, that, you know, has it right there. He's trying to peanut punch it from behind there as, as he's exactly. trailing that, that receiver. So, you know, 54 passes defense, six forced fumbles, 13 interceptions. The kid's got ball skills as well. Yep. And, you know, and, and on top of that, I mean, he just has unteachable traits, right? You know, he just needs to grow and develop a little bit more. Uh, again, you touched on a special teams guy. Um, I think right now, as he comes in, he's a guy that's going to compete. He's going to be a really good backup. He's going to have starter potential. And he's going to be a special teams warrior for you on, on the onset because you can't just keep, you know, 6'2", 200, 4'3", 3", 39'5", 11-inch broad jump off the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he uh, – uh, Dane Brugler says he as a gunner, he's NFL ready, ready, mm -hmm. ready to go. And Brugler is just so – uh, infatuated with these testing numbers and thinks that it'll take him a little while to, you know, maybe get up to speed as a starter, but uh, it could happen sooner than expected. I mean, this guy's got incredible skills. I just put up in the chat room that his testing numbers are better than any cornerback already on the Chicago Bears uh, team. So um, he's an athlete. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a terrific athlete. That's for sure. Yeah. That, that's he's on the, and, and he's got the, he's got the length. He's always oh, got the size and, you know, you definitely a guy, like I said, you can match him up, you know, on either side, you can line up on the slot. You know, he, he's got that uh, versatility to be able to cover receivers, you know, you know kind of match him up. But again, that's going to be a jump in terms of competition from Sam Houston state to the NFL. That's going to be a transition period. Sure. No, you know, that, that's no doubt about that, but the potential this kid has with that size and that athletic ability is really, really, enticing to have absolutely cool. hey uh neil why don't you uh talk to us about uh this gentleman right here cam, uh, cam taylor Britt. yeah cam taylor Britt was another one of those guys that uh, was in mobile um came out of nebraska montgomery alabama kid um so you know close to mobile i think uh jim Nagy put on uh twitter just yesterday maybe mobile itself is expected to have five draftees 
in, in, in this uh, upcoming draft, which is absolutely absurd. But uh, Cam Taylor Britt, um, you know, coming in at uh, 5'10 and a half, 5'11, a little bit of a half inch discrepancy there, right around 200 pounds. Um, in terms of length, 31 and, and uh, three quarter arms, nine and uh, five ace hands. Uh, good wingspan at 76 and an eighth. Another one of these guys that clocked really well in terms of the GPS during the game, 20.2 miles an hour. Then came into the combine, ran a 4'3", 840 at, you know, 5'11", 200 pounds. Um, play history, he's got 41 games under his belt, 29 stars. Another guy that has a lot of leadership, was a team captain over in Nebraska. He was second team all Big Ten in 20 in 2021. Uh, last year in Nebraska, 51 tackles, three for loss, a sack, 11 PBUs, a pick, a, a kick blocked, uh, six career picks. Uh, he has starts in, in, in his play history at both cornerback and safety with a bunch of special teams experience as a gunner and a bomber and a punt returner. All right. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, right now I see as a role player, you know, coming in that would absolutely excel at, uh, you know, special teams, maybe a safety conversion. If you look at the way that he plays on film, he's a guy that uh, if, if you look at some of his highlights, he shows a lot of explosive traits. He shows a lot of speed. He shows a lot of, of uh, recovery ability. Um, sometimes I, I think if you dig deeper into it you and, and you uh, I think I watched uh, let's see, I watched Oklahoma and I watched uh, Minnesota on this kid. There's times where he appears stiff in the hips and heavy-legged when it comes to covering receivers, uh, reacting, changing direction, all those different types of things. He wasn't necessarily as quick, as fluid, as twitchy as some of these other guys that we talked about. But, you know, when he's in position to lay a hit, he's going to take the opportunity. I love his physicality, his aggressiveness that he plays with. He flashes all his explosive tendencies, but they're just not consistent. You just want to see more of that. Um, he flashes physical play, but often sometimes he'll get manhandled by receivers on blocking plays. He's got, and, and again, we talk about the little minuses. Those are things that you can probably coach up. He's a strong kid. He's, he's got to be uh, taught how to get off or how to, how to shed blocks in order to make plays on the ball. Because when he has an opportunity to make a play on the ball, he's going to light somebody up and it's exciting to watch. But, uh, you know, as of, as of right now, I see this guy as a day three guy, but a really intriguing day three guy that could fall right in our five, six range where we have three picks. Um, a, a guy will come in, compete right away, especially on special teams. Will give us uh, some depth, you know, in the, in the cornerback room. And again, I, I think this is a guy that is really enticing to to think about moving to the safety room, putting him at strong safety, letting him play with everything in front of him, not having to worry as much about flipping his hips, changing direction, and just coming down and laying some wood on somebody. And I keep talking about how we need a guy that that's going to be a physical presence, some guy that's that's going to make a receiver hear some footsteps. And I think this kid could be that kid down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, Cam Taylor Britt is, is a kid. You know, first of all, we talked about 5'11", 196, you know, 4'3", 840, you know, 6'9", 3, uh, So the kid's got that lower body explosiveness, the athletic ability you look for and some some good size. You touch on a little bit there in terms of his history, you know, prolific high school quarterback in the state of Alabama. Actually mm -hmm. went to Nebraska as a quarterback, then switched over to, to, to DB, a uh, three-year starter, you know, both a safety and corner. It uh, gives you that kind of versatility. Second team, all Big Ten, you know, team captain, all the stuff you love about him. But I agree with you 100%, Neil, in terms of I like this kid at safety, man, because he is a willing run defender. He's He has no problems coming down and thumping receivers going across the middle. Uh, you know, I agree with you in terms of his, his his play at corner was very, very consistent for me. His back pedal was very choppy in terms of his footwork. You know, a lot of times you see him getting up straight up in, 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 his, in his back pedal, which is not good for a corner. Uh, you know, has difficulty staying in phase with receivers downfield. So, but you bring that that size, you bring that athletic ability, you move them in the middle of the field. Now you got range where you go sideline to sideline. 
I love this kid I, as a you know developmental developmental prospect, primarily at safety. Uh, a guy that can probably come down and cover those big tight ends or receivers in the slot as a safety for you, but not a guy that I would line up as, as a corner for me right now. So you know if, if you're gonna bring him in in, in a fifth, sixth round and, and switch him over to safety, I'm all for it. But if you're gonna you know bring him in and, and make him your your cornerback, I, I have some some troubles with this with this kid playing cornerback at, at the next level. So but definitely like the size, like the like the athletic ability. Like the willingness as, as a run defender, it's got a good frame, muscular frame, well defined. I think this is a kid that if you move him to safety, you coach him up, you have a chance of potentially getting getting him a starter there and down you know down the line. Not right now though. Yeah, definitely. All those starts he has a safety in his career, so he has it under his belt. He's been coached up how to do it. Uh, smart kid, team captain, football intelligence, and you did see on tape too him coming up and and, and uh, covering the slot. Uh, from the safety position if you go a little bit further back. So, you know, a very, very intriguing kid from that standpoint, being a developmental kid, you can throw in that safety's room and uh, being, a you know, the thumper that we're looking for. Brugler says that he might sneak into the second round uh, just because of the, the aggressiveness and the size-speed uh, ratio, but uh, probably more likely uh, end of the day, day two pick. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that, him. That'd be kind of rich for me at cornerback. I mean, especially for for yeah. a kid that that shows so much in terms of his of his inconsistencies at cornerback at, at Nebraska. So I mean, th- that would be really rich for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, Neil touched it. If, if it's day three, a guy to move over to safety, um, I'm all for that. But to bring him in as corner, that's going to be a little bit too rich for me. Very good. All right, uh, Mr. Shimon, why don't you take it away with? Uh, Monteric Brown. Yeah, Monteric Brown is a kid that, that the more I watched, the more I loved watching him on tape. You know, as a kid, not a big name guy, you know, uh, but, but but if you put him on, you put on his tape, again, you see a guy, you know, a good sized corner at six feet, 196 pounds, 31 and a quarter uh, arm length, uh, you know, ran a, ran a four, five, five, 40 at the combine. So he's not a blazer. However, I do think he runs faster than on, on, on the football field because he looks like a, like a, you know, high four, eight guy, four, four guy for me. Uh, but anyway, four five five is, is is something that we'll take here, especially as as an off coverage, you know, covered two corner. Love reps on the on the, on the bench press, thirty four inch vertical, uh, seven two seven three cone. Again, this tells me he doesn't have the quick, uh, loose hips to be able to stay in phase, you know, shifty quicker receivers. But when you put on his tape, although as we go and roll these clips here for him, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy that's smart, a guy that's instinctive, and a guy that that is willing to come down in terms of being you know, as as a run defender too. So. Again, I like the size. I like the, his his length. Um, but in here, we're, we're going to see some of his clips here. I like the way in this first play here, he keys and he reads the screenplay, fights through the blocker, gets low, trips up the receiver as he diagnosed that play prior to the snap. He saw it, he reacted, and he made the play. You know, this is what you're going to have to see from these Bears corners now, do, doing something like this, off coverage on, on these quicker, quick hitting plays, these slip screens, these bubble screens, come downhill, fight through that blocker, get low. He doesn't wrap him up, but he slows him up. He allows his teammate now to come in and just finish the job. So, again, aggressive player, smart player, extinctive player, and a guy that's got you know pretty good size at the cornerback position, all pluses for me so far with Monteric Brown. This next uh, clip here, again, I just want to show Brown is a solid run defender. Here he notices how it comes up and takes on the receiver, sets the edge, Falling the ball carrier back inside to the rest of his teammates. Now, this might not be a, a big you know play in terms of stat, you know, and stat stuffers or anything like that, but this is key in terms of run defense. He comes down, he sets that edge, doesn't allow Matt Carroll to go ahead and get that edge and get outside and get the first down, possibly even a touchdown. He does it, he funnels him back inside to his defenders or his teammates, and he makes and they, they make a tackle on, on Matt Carroll and stopping him short of the, of the first down. So this is something that that I see on tape with a kid like Monteric Brown. 
again, th th things that you don't see on the stat sheet, right? But things when you watch it in film, you see a kid come down here, and, and this is part of being a, a good run defender. This next clip here, we're going to show some of his abilities here to, to be able to be in phase downfield. It's an off coverage here. He's a right, a right receiver tries to run a stop and go route. You know, Brown has the athletic ability to go ahead and, and a foot quickness, I should say, to go ahead and stop and start. And he stays in phase downfield with the receiver. Forces a tough throw and catch, you know, attempt by the receiver here. Uh, Brown does a nice job of squeezing that receiver to the boundary, using that to his advantage here, giving the quarterback a, as little patch of grass to be able to drop that ball into, into, that, into that area as possible. Again, still the presence of mind, though. Look at the end of the play here. The presence of mind to go ahead and locate that football, swipe through the catch point, and make that sure that's an incomplete ball. I love this play here with, with Monteric Brown. Again, being able to stay in phase on a stop and go route, showing that the athletic ability, the quick feet to be able to stay there. Again, that size we talked about, turn around, turns his head, tracks the ball, and it has a presence of mind to go ahead and swipe through and make sure that ball is incomplete. Uh, this next clip here, we're gonna I'm gonna talk about here. I love the physicality he brings as a run defender. Again, just look how physical he is. Comes downhill, takes on that lead blocker again, setting that edge and making that run flow turn inside. You know, this this is again not a stat stuffer here. This is something that you, you only catch when you watch on tape. But this is important for cornerbacks, guys. Be able to funnel that, take on that lead blocker, not get blown out the play, and make that running back go inside to your uh, teammates to be able to you know stop them short of the first down or a touchdown. On this, this last clip here, again, we're going to show him an off coverage, right? Open back pedals, opens his gate, you know, the wrong way to the outside. Wide receiver takes that inside leverage, but look how quick he is. And he's fast enough to be able to get back in phase, look back, locate the ball, and make a terrific play on it. Okay, so again, he ran a 4-5-5-40. You know, this to me doesn't look like a 4-5-5 guy for me. I mean, it looks like a guy that's going to run in a 4-4-8 or something like that. Again, takes the wrong, opens up incorrectly. I was able to presence of mind to get back in coverage. So he shows that recovery quickness to get back downfield, looks at the football, and makes a tremendous play on the ball. These are things I can tell you. The more I watch this kid, whether it's his run defense, whether that play in coverage, whether his ability to stop and go on, on, on um, sluggos and all this rest like that, this is a kid, the more I watch, the more I like. And I'm telling you, if this kid slips to that pick 71, I think he's a steal. I do have to apologize because I know somewhere I have access to the uh, the GPS numbers from East-West. And I didn't follow up on trying to find where those are. And so I will have those next show. I will find them. I'll have them next show because I feel the same way in, in, in terms of he's a lot faster play speed than he is testing speed because he was on wide receivers and he was making plays. I think it was really because a lot of times, you know, when, when you, when you open up on a play wrong or when you, when you don't have just like the, the, the natural burst and the natural uh, numbers, wherever the case may be, uh, you know, two of the things I wrote down on, on this kid were intelligence and instincts. Mm -hmm. Right. And those, those are two things I love most about this kid. And the other two buzzwords I wrote down was uh, reliable and stable and, and uh, steady because he was he he was so he, he was he was always in place to make a play. It was it was really hard, kind of like Kobe. It was really hard to try and find this kid way too out of place or not in position or you know whiffing on a tackle or whatever the case may be. Um, you know he, he was a uh, he was a kid that that also had you know five picks last season, which is the most by a Razorback since twenty twenty one. So in terms of productivity, he has it at fifty four tackles last year. Um, you know if you look at the tape, mainly a cover zone corner. It's perfect for what we need. Uh, and again, shows really good FBI, was very poised in coverage. Um, 
and there, there were times I felt like he lacked uh, the, the foot quickness and speed, like the elite level foot quickness and speed to stay with receivers on complex or deep routes, which is kind of like what we saw in some in some of those clips there where like he opens himself wrong or he gets, gets crossed over wrong and then comes back around to recover and make the play, which again, which again goes back to some of that explosiveness that he has and comes back to the play speed that he has. And I need to find that number because I bet it'll be a pretty impressive number somewhere in the, the 2021 range. And that will really solidify what we're talking about tonight. But uh um, you know, think about him, you know, and, and again, we, we talk, we've been talking about it all night. Guys that are aggressive, guys that are physical, guys that bring some thump, bring some wood, like to lay guys out. This kid has it. And we saw it on the clips that Danny brought up. He, he brings a physicality when he's tackling. He makes a really good effort to rap. I don't think he's one of those guys where you have to really, you know, t- uh, coach him up in terms of how to, yeah. you know, e- execute, you know, tackling properly, because I think that he is a, uh, he is a kid that, and, and you talk about play history, 42 games, 34 starts at a, at a, at a program that has really coached up defensive players pretty well. If you, if you look at the recent track record of, of Arkansas kids coming into the NFL, um, he's a very well-coached kid. I think he'll yes. be a really solid cover court, uh, zone corner, potentially another kid I thought could excel at safety as well. But I think I definitely want him in a corner room first yeah. and uh, see where it goes from there. See for me when I first when I first put on his tape I'm like all right this this kid's got this guy's got some, some some twitch to him now he's not a twitchy twitched up you know cornerback like we'll see some of those later on but I'm talking right. about this is a kid that has got the size you know for me when he's in press coverage you know he can mirror off the line of scrimmage he's got the quickness to be able to mirror off the line of scrimmage he's you know he's got that like I said the st- speed to stay in phase downfield we saw that one clip where he opened up his hips incorrectly you know turn open his gate wrong turned the receiver got inside leverage and was able to quickly recover and get back in phase and make a play on, on the football and, and you know that's a speedy receiver for for uh Ole Miss there and so he's able to catch up get back in phase like I said make a play on the football so the more I watch this kid the more I like this kid and I say that, like you know his, his numbers prior to last year I think he only had one interception I think last year kind of explored there with five interceptions so I think that maybe that might be something that, that might bring him down in terms of ball production um maybe that four five five speed is will, will bring him down or I'm not sure but I'm telling you this kid if you get him in that third round range, he's a guy that potentially can come in and compete for a job right away. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter next year, opening day, or opening week, but I'm just saying, like, the, 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 what he shows in that first clip, right? We talked about him being able to pre-snap, diagnose the play, kind of see what's happening, be able to fight through that that blocker, make you know, trip up the receiver, and then allow his teammates to come in and make the play. Again, I'm just not you know saying this guy's going to be a shutdown corner day one. But I like seeing that in my college guys. I like, especially guys playing the SEC. You know, he's, he's a he's a well test you know tested uh, competitor. You know, goes up against probably Traylon Burks in practice every damn day. So that's a, one of the better receivers mm-hmm. in this draft. So this is a guy that that's been tested throughout his career. And there's the fact that he just read that, attacked it quickly. You know, doesn't stop that that you know and just keeps fighting through that blocking attempt and makes a play. It's what I love seeing on tape. And I think I'll tell you guys, I keep saying this over and over again. The more I watch this kid, the more I like him. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I first start talking about him, I use terms like steady and reliable. And, and you know, I think oftentimes those can be misconstrued as derogatory words. But I, I think in this kid's case, uh, those are great words to have because there aren't a, a whole lot of corners that come in day one ready to right, ready to play. And you don't have to worry too much about them being in position, tackling the right way, fundamentals, technique, and all those different types of things. Like the things with him, again, we talk about, you know, coachable minuses with, with all these guys, right? You know, very, very minute minuses. The, the, the things that you really just have to make sure that he's set up with is, you know, some techniques, some fundamental things, but just mainly get him, get, get him into the system, right? 
just, just get him seasoned and he'll be ready to go. I think he's going to come in and compete day one. And again, not going to be a starter day one, probably most likely going to be a special teams guy for the first couple of years, but you know, down the road, I would not be, I would not, I would not be surprised if, if he's, you know, on, on top of the depth chart at either one of the positions of corner or safety. I, call me just some guy who's who's manly love with him, but I'm telling you, I, I I could see him coming in and possibly competing for a starting job next year, man. I'm telling you, that's how much I like this kid. Brugler doesn't like him as much as you do, uh, but he does say that the, he's he's best suited for a cover two, and he's got you know all the all the perfect traits for a cover two. But he's got him listed like as his 39th cornerback. Uh, wow. That is real. Right. I do him as a day three guy, but definitely not that low. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that he's got him that low, but um, I, I got him. I got him in a third round range. Third, you know, if if he slips fourth round, that that's an absolute steal for me. But I'm telling, like, I'm really like this guy. Okay, um, I'm gonna ask people in the chat room if you've got any questions to fire away. We kind of finished a little early with uh, some of our uh, evaluations, uh, which is fine. I, have, I do have one more. I don't know if Neil has any more, but I got one more player. I thought I put Marcus oh, yes. Jones from Houston. Marcus Jones, who I just drafted in one of my recent mocks. <laughs> um, uh, take it away, Danny. All right, so this is a kid. Man, I'm talking about. We, we, you know, we talked about size. We talked about strength. We talked about some of the other things. Throw all. Out the window with this kid. This kid is 5'8, 174 pounds, maybe 177 pounds. Uh, you know, short arms, 28, 7, 8, you know, short arms. Uh, you know, doesn't have the prototypical size and speed you want, and or size, I should say, you want on the outside. But man, talk about an electric player. Uh, you you put on this kid's highlight and you just cannot get your eyes off the screen. Uh, he's a he's a quick twitch, you know, undersized. He's a slot corner for me, right? He's a slot corner, uh, loose hips, quick feet. He's got that start and stop ability. Primarily, though, what he does on special teams. Guys, this kid's got nine kickoff and punt return touchdowns in his career. Start off his career at Troy and then end up transferring over to, to Houston. Uh, but, you know, this kid can give you some of that stuff here in terms of special teams. Like, you know, we're talking about day three guys, that guys that have traits, that guys that can, can come in and help you on special teams. This is the primary guy that I want to target if you have that fourth round pick in, in you know, in, in this draft. But I think currently the Bears don't have a fourth round pick. But if you can maneuver and get yourself a fourth round pick, this is a guy, again, nickel corner, scrappy. Talk about I talked about quick twitch body. Uh, he's got body control, his ability to adjust and, and, and contour his body to make plays on a football. You know, again, he's undersized, but he doesn't back down from anybody. So you like that feistiness, you like the competitive drive in him. Um, you know, he had let's see his first career, he had uh, nine interceptions, you know, 31 passes defense. Uh, but again, the, the nine kickoff returns for you know for a touchdown are huge. He averaged you know 28 and a half kickoff uh, yards per re, uh, kickoff return. He averaged uh, let's see what was it uh, uh, almost uh, 15 or 20 yards between 15 and 20 yards per punt return. So again, gives you all that stuff and can be a nickel corner. He's not going to be an, an everyday starter on the outside. He's a guy that could probably be in your, in your dime package at best. And like I said, be your, a guy that can that can cover that slot receiver. But again, but what he gives you on special teams is is well worth that that day three draft pick, in my opinion. Guys, a, a philosophical question. Uh, my man Jordan has been having a debate with Greg Gabriel over Twitter about arm length. Uh, Jordan loves Roger McCreary. Greg says his arms are too short. Arms are too short, and they go back and forth. And now Jordan writes writes uh, that. Uh, Marcus Jones's arm length is the same as McCurry, and he's just as scrappy. The issue is you can play McCurry on the perimeter, but Jones 
gets work out there. Uh, he's more of a slot guy, I guess, is what Jordan is saying. He's, he's got another chat uh, response here. The issue is how Marcus Jones can hold up against power slots that are taking over the league. I totally agree with that. They're certainly taking over the league. So what do you guys think about arm length for a cornerback? How much value do you place on it? The, can it make you afraid of a guy despite the fact that he might have good tape? If, if a corner is okay, so I'm a, I'm a fan of McCreary as well. So I'm, I'm right there with Jordan. Uh, I like McCreary in terms of 5'11, 190 pounds. You talk about a guy that runs a, a, a low 4'5, 40. He's got the the experience, he's got the, the toughness to play on the outside. And he's a guy that doesn't have the long arms. And what that does to me, what, where it concerns me with, with the arm length for a cornerback is we've seen some of these plays where they're, you know, it's, it's a tight window throw. The corner might, might reach around the, the receiver, might not have the long, uh, long arms to be able to go ahead and knock that ball down. Or the other thing is predominantly where where concerns me and something that I look for on tape is can he wrap up and bring a tackle? A lot of times guys with shorter arms are have trouble in terms of wrapping up and, and securing the tackles. And that's where you see a lot of the times on tapes. You know, with Ben Query, you know, when I watch his tape, he's a guy that again, competitive, tough kid for you know uh, battle tested in the sec a guy that went up against against you know top level competition and always you know stood his ground so you know he's that guy again another one talking about who has got off coverage ability in terms of guy who's, who's you know who's got some that um coverage awareness guy who can you know peek into the backfield and then and plant and drive and, and, and make a play on, on the football so i'm a big fan of roger mccreary i i've, I've been i think with second third show we had this year i was like um, roger mccreary is a guy from armor that i really do like so i i know his arm link is a concern but again the concern for me is does he wrap up and, and bring a tackle you know tackle the, the ball carrier um you know it, it does it hinder him in coverage you know hinder him in coverage might be an issue but again for, as long for mccreary to me he was always a guy that, that wrapped up and, and tackled you know he has some misses here and there but it wasn't something that really uh concerned me you know with with marcus jones you combine his short arms with his short stature that's a little something that that you kind of a little bit worried about because you know he's limited right you know he's limited to only possibly as as a nickel corner a guy that can cover the slot um you know he's a guy that's gonna probably be if, if you they bring in a, a bigger receiver to run the slot and now he's in the slot he's all up against against a bigger receiver like say Allen robinson or something like that now he's at a mismatch right so now you, you have to worry about that but the thing with 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 Jones is, is is his competitive nature. He hasn't let his eyes, you know, define him. You know, you see him, you know, knifing through piles and, and, and wrapping up uh, ankles of, of ball carries and bringing them down. So, you know, that's something you have to you know kind of consider as well. So that's why for me with Jones, I'm, I'm he's more of a day three guy. Guy, hey, if he doesn't pan out in terms of a corner. Put him back as a, as a kick returner, right? You, you can right. make him a, a punt returner, kick returner. He'll give you more than enough value in, in, in terms of a day three pick in that area right there. But but for McQuarrie, he's got the size. He's got the uh, the pedigree to go ahead and go up against these tougher, big-name uh, competition in terms of the SEC conference. And his arm length, while not ideal, doesn't concern me as much because I don't see him missing tackles, and, and, and I see him making plays on the football. So with McCreary, he had 30 pass defense guys in, in his career at, at, at Auburn, six interceptions. So this is a guy that doesn't really, you know, to me, that it doesn't hinder him in terms of his arm length. You know, with Jones, a different story because of that body frame. But McCreary, I think you can, you can play him at outside corner, and he could be a starter for you. Yeah, I mean, you put these guys in a side-by-side. McCreary has three inches and almost 20 pounds. On Marcus, like there, there are two different body types, two different players, two different types of athletes, right? And uh, I, I think a lot of times too, like yeah, the McCurry is just small in his length numbers all around. You know, he's sub nine hands, he's twenty nine and a quarter arms, seventy and three quarter wingspan. Like in, in terms of his length numbers, they're absolutely atrocious. But I think so. I think a lot of times, you know, with, with certain players that have 
uh, elite cover skills, technique, instincts, uh, competitiveness. A lot of times you can overcome that. And I think McCurry is, is one of those types of kids that has figured out a way to overcome the fact that he wasn't got gifted with elite you know, measurables. And so that, that's that's where I see the difference. And, you know, again, like Danny said, I, I think the, the, the Marcus kid, I, I think, you know, he's a kid that, you know, if he doesn't work out in the DB room, at least you have an elite special teams guy with his speed and explosiveness. You know, in, in terms of his stature, he looks like a kid. Uh, he, he looks kind of like uh, Jakeem Grant a little bit, right? I mean, you know, a, a small kid, shifty, explosive, twitchy. All those different types of things, and if you can at least get that out of them, I mean, shit, we, we love Devin Hester for ten years, right? <laughs> if you if you get a guy that can score that can score touchdowns, it doesn't matter where he plays. Yeah, good point, guys. Uh, go ahead, Danny. No, I'm saying like that, that's what he that's what he brings you in terms of the added value from from Marcus Jones, right? So, you know, and again, the 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 frame and and the length, you know, could he be? And also durability, he wasn't able to to play or, or participate in the combine because he's had. Uh, uh, surgery on both of his shoulders. So, you know, durability could be an issue with, with Marcus Jones. That's why he's a day three pick for me. Again, day three guys are guys that I I pick traits out of, you know, th things that I, I they bring, whether it's size, whether it's speed, whether it's athletic ability, whether it's, you know, something that they they specialize in. And, and with Marcus Jones, his competitive nature, his, his athletic ability, his, his quick twitch ability, and his punt return skills and kickoff return skills are something that I really, really value. Um, and I think if, if you get him in a, in a, somewhere in that day three, I think it would be a nice value pick for you just on special teams alone. Mm. Um, Dane Brugler says, overall, Jones is small on paper, but big on tape with sticky cover athleticism, physical uh, compete skills, and excellent on-ball production. He is tailor-made slot cornerback in the NFL with playmaking ability as a return man. He also notes here that he had shoulder surgery, Marcus yep. Jones did, in yep. December. Who knows? That might make him drop down out of day two and into day three. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, oh, I think it will. Yeah. I, I'm, that's why I'm, I've targeted him in, in that day three range. And again, his his stature is going to be an issue with him. The five eight, you know, sub twenty nine inch arms. That's going to be an issue with some some NFL you know uh, executives and some some talent evaluators. So I think that's going to be something that's going to drop him down. Plus the fact that that you know he could just be a, a returner. You know, he just uh, is coming off of an injury. So uh, I think that you you could see him in that fourth fifth round range. Maybe even you know if maybe even lower. I'm not even sure. But uh, definitely a guy like I said. Day three, you get this kid in, he could help you possibly as a slot corner, but he'll definitely help you on special teams. Excellent stuff. Um, go ahead, Neil. You had a thought? No, no, I was just agreeing. All right, uh, well, maybe you can answer this question, Neil. Uh, from Squidward Dennis Paul. <laughs> That's an awesome name, man. <laughs> it really is, man. That deserves to be on a building or something. I don't know. Uh, name a bridge after Squidward the tennis boss. Uh, he asked, which is more important, speed or play recognition? That's kind of an interesting thought, something that uh, I can see scouts uh, uh, debating. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I think a lot of times they go hand in hand. But if you have a guy that has all the speed in the world but can't figure out what the hell's going on around him, and you know you have a liability out there, I, I, I always think back when when I think about the, this this debate, I always think back to a player named Dwight Ellick, who was starting cornerback at Notre Dame. I think it was a uh, late '90s or early 2000s. Yeah, or number 24 got beat horrendously every week, but they played him because he had four three speed. He never played in the NFL. He never ran the Olympics. They Nardin played him because he had four three speed, and that, that's the that's the only reason that I could possibly come up with. But the problem is, is that yeah, you can have all the speed in the world, you could be God gifted in terms of 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 that particular attribute, 
But if, if you can't if, if you can't diagnose a play, if you can't read the receiver, if you can't ball track, and you can't make a play on the ball, then you're you're essentially worthless. You're you're just fast for no reason. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's why I probably rank play recognition higher because that goes with your your ability to process, your 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 cognition with uh like how you see the game, your 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 uh, awareness. Um that, that that's a critical factor. You can't have you you can have play recognition without the speed, but you can't have speed without play recognition. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, it, for me, it, it goes hand in hand because, all right, so if you're talking about a guy like Neil just playing, a guy that can run a 4-3 but has no you know, coverage awareness, no no, you know, no player recognition, he, he's going to get beat most of the time. But if you have a guy that runs a 4-7 or 4-8, that's, that's also a slow corner that's probably going to get beat just off of athletic ability. So, you know, you, 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 if you have a guy that runs, a, like, say, a 4-5-7 or 4-6 possibly, but he's smart as heck, you know, player recognition, you know, it gets always it gets a jump on, 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 the, uh, on the receiver, you know, is able to key off of the receiver, able to key off of whatever the offense is doing you know he can make up for that lack of four elite four three four four speed with some of that play recognition but so it's kind of got to go hand in hand he can't be he can't be you know deprived of speed you know can't run four seven four eight but he also doesn't have to sell it to be a four three guy if he has the play recognition and the coverage awareness you guys have any thoughts on uh texas cornerback josh thompson he's visited the bears twice according to scox um he, uh, Dane Brugler has him down as a uh, 5, 11 and a quarter, 194 pound cornerback who has aggressive skills, but uh, he has him actually uh, ranked lower than Monteric Brown. I think he's got him like 39 or 40 and looks like a, a priority free agent is yeah. uh, what he's been listed at. Have, have you guys had a chance to look or learn anything at all about Thompson? I haven't delved into this tape. I've, I've just seen some Texas uh, film. And I've, I've caught him play plays here and there. From what I see, just you know, uh, a kid's got solid size at five eleven. I believe it's uh, one ninety four is what he measured in at. Um, you know, 30, 30 and seven eighth arm length in terms. And we're on a four four forty, so he's got some of that. You know, some of that speed and stuff. So I, he's a guy that that could possibly get drafted. You know, late like in the seventh round or something like that. Uh, but just the in terms of overall play, and nothing really stuck out on on tape for me in terms of what I saw from what I had seen from Texas. But I haven't really delved into or dived into his tape uh, that deeply yet. Yeah, he he was actually one of the next uh, corners I have on my sheet to uh, pop into next. Um, he was a guy that uh, you know was invited to Senior Bowl, had kind of a marginal time there. He didn't really stand out. He didn't do anything special. Um, at, at the combine, five eleven and a half, one ninety four, almost thirty one arms at thirty and seven ace, nine and three ace hands. You know, decent measurables. Again, not a guy that jumps off the page in terms of his measurables. Ran a 4-4. In terms of what he did on game day, though, um, he was one of these guys that, that performed well in the GPS metrics. He ran 19.56, which is, you know, top, you know, higher end speed. Um, the, the thing that, uh, that that pops off, though, is the, the five uh, yards per second max acceleration, which is pretty good. Like I was talking about with uh, um, with uh, Alante Taylor, 6.67 is absolutely absurd. Five point zero two again is you know you, you don't call that a lead but you pro- you you call that you know pretty high end so you know when he explodes he can explode he can cover some ground so that, that's that's the one thing that kind of uh, triggers me about him in terms of you know wanting to watch the kid mm-hmm. is that he does have some some traits that kind of uh, make you uh, he he could have something so 
uh, he's one of the guys I'm going to watch next, and uh, you know, we might pop him on next week. We'll see. And cool. another thing about him is is no no ball production, right? He's a fifth year senior, right? He had, you know, for five years at Texas, uh, he only had uh, was it seven passes defense and two interceptions, right? So in uh, a, a conference that throws the ball all over the football field, he's he's a guy that doesn't make much plays on a football. So again, he's a guy that's probably being brought in uh, or just being going to probably undrafted free agent or if if he's drafted, it's because of his traits. Where he talked about day three guys, guys that traits, right? You got that four four mm-hmm. speed, you got the five eleven frame. You know, maybe we can coach you up. And we can work with you. See what you can give us here. So you know that that's probably some, or maybe even on special teams, a guy that can come in and give you something on special teams. So those those are what they look for on day three: guys with traits, guys with you know, you know something that they can coach up and, and maybe you know take advantage of. You know, also that there could be guys with with uh, you know uh, red flags in terms of off the football field too. So you know, those are things you you look for on, on day three. But you know, definitely a guy that you know not really high on my list in terms of a guy that can come in here and and, and be a you know day one contributor. Right. Based on what I'm reading from uh, Brugler, I think probably what they like about him is that he plays with a very violent style, and so uh, that's you know that type of toughness is something that Ibraflus has talked about. But I, yeah, I think he's more of a camp body. And uh, uh, do you remember the name uh, Stephen Denmark, his seventh round draft pick? Yeah. Um, uh, I forgot the name of the college because I've rarely Vel- heard Vel- of State. There you go. Well done. So, and uh, I love- Mark, I, I thought he had some potential. They just never yeah. gave him anything to do. I mean, well, never gave him anything to do. Like, like <laughs> yeah. he's an intern or something. I mean, they, they, they didn't coach him up. They, I just I felt like that he just never got an opportunity. And then he got injured. Remember, he got injured at one camp. That and he was hurt awful. a lot. Yeah. yeah. See, he, we were all expecting to see him play in that first preseason, but he never got on the field because of an injury. Right. And then after that, he just kind of got lost. He's on somebody's roster right now. I forgot who it is, but uh, – you know, he's, he's just an intriguing physical specimen. And who knows? Maybe he'll be a late bloomer. We'll see him play in the NFL soon. But uh, yeah, remember that kid that uh, Kareth White they drafted from uh, Florida Atlantic? You know, it's a speed guy, guy having a 4 3, you know, yeah. running back with speed. Yeah. You know, didn't make the roster here, but he ended up, you know, playing for some for the Steelers, right? And yeah. again, touchdown in his first game with the Steelers. Right. So, so th- these are guys you look for day three, guys with traits, guys you can yep. bring in here and maybe you can get right. something, you know, catch lighting in a bottle. Um, you know, special teams guys are usually day three guys. So, you know, they're, they're definitely in, like I said, guys with red flags in, 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 their, in their background. Also guys you can probably bring in here on, on, on day three. And that's what you look for in, in this in that portion of the draft. But th- those first two rounds, those are where you get your starters most likely. Mm-hmm. I like this question posed by Cliff. Uh, he says, do you guys see the potential for discussions, offense versus defense between Poles and, and Flues? Because, you know, you know, uh, Flus is going to want some stars on that defense, and he'll he'll want, you know, everybody's expecting cornerback and offensive tackle, and not everybody, but a lot of people in round two. But it's possible it could be wide receiver and offensive line in 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 uh, round two, and maybe Eberflus won't be too happy about that. You kind of anticipate there being some nice uh, arguments between the two guys. There always are. There's always, I mean, it's, it's never, you know, draft rooms are always, you know, there's always back and forth and, and we want this guy, we want that guy. But, you know, the one thing that, that I think Ryan Poles has, has kind of, you know, earmarked here with this, with this team early on is that he's going to, you know, it's his team. He's going to build this roster. And I think, you know, as, as long as he takes care of the offensive and defensive line so far, he, you know, he's made a couple of signings here on defensive line, the offensive line needs to be taken care of, you know, and I think whether it's a, it's a later on, you know, free agent signing a veteran free agent after the draft post draft, we'll see, or it's, he's going to attack it aggressively 
in in the uh, in the draft. We'll, we'll see here, but I think the offensive line is going to be addressed. Now, Eberflus, in terms of what he wants, I, th I think whatever's left after the draft, whatever holes or or, or you know whatever depth that, that he sees lacking in, on a particular position, I think that's where you're going to see the Bears then go out there and maybe get some veterans here to bring in to be able to help you know give you give you some depth there. But uh, I, I I don't think there's going to be you know a, a, you know a, a banging of, of of heads if you will and saying oh I want this guy and, and you you're you're you know you're already uh, hurting my career by by getting me a receiver instead of a, that corner I wanted I don't think that's going to happen but I just think I think they're both on the same page they're all going to you know both kind of have a plan going into this draft and hopefully get some quality players. I see a lot of respect floating around that building right now. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's that's critical and in, in, in things like this, you know, and again, I mean, you know, Danny said there's, there's going to be a lot of contentiousness you know, on draft day in the draft rooms, you know, guys that are pounding the table for a guy that you know, yeah. don't get their wishes granted. You know, you're you're always going to have that. I certainly have had my fair share of that. I'm still pissed we, off. About. Neil and I have I get contentious <laughs> here on, 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 you know, on, on this thing. He wants a safety of that 39th pick. I, I want a corner. I never said 39. <laughs> I, I'm going to leap through the screen and punch you. See, we'll, we'll, it's contentious. We'll your ass. It's contentious. See, it's going to do a Will Smith slap. <laughs> it's contentious. I told you. Hey, uh, guys, is you know I've started to do mocks now, and because it's it's the, the free agent, big free agent signings. If there are any to come for the Bears, are going to be after June first when we see cutdowns and we'll see some name guys. So it's a it's a pretty good time to be doing mocks, and I've done probably a half dozen to a dozen. And one of the things that I've kind of started to lean towards is those three picks, those first three picks, the two in round two and the one in round three, to me are untouchables. Untouchables. I don't want to right. trade down and accumulate more potential starters. I want three starters in those three picks. And if – if, if somebody wants the fifth round pick and so we can pick up more guys who the difference between a fifth rounder and a seventh rounder is negligible many times, then do that. Trade trade those uh, day three picks. But the day two picks, do not touch them. What do you guys think? Well, and for me, it's, it's just, I guess, who's sitting out there who's available, right? If, if a player drops, a player that's going to be in the, in the first round, he drops to you in, in that second round, you, you got to grab him. You, you can't mess with that. You, you, you just got to go ahead and grab the player. Now, with that second, the 40th pick, with, which they got from with the Khalil Mack trade, you know, polls that said, you know, that gives him one of the reasons why that was attractive to him because it was a, a top 50 pick. Plus, it gives them options to maybe recoup some draft capital. So that tells me that polls, it told the rest of the league, hey, I'm open for business. You guys want 48? Depends on how the the board is going. Depends on if there's a run on corner. If there's a there's a if there's a, a team that still needs a quarterback, and there's a you know one of these quarterbacks drops to them in, in that top of that second round, and you know what they might come up and say, hey, we'll give you our second, our third, and whatever. You you can't resist that, and then not you just kind of have to kind of go through. And the, the thing with the Bears is they have a lot of needs, right? We haven't even covered linebackers yet. You know, we we touched on Christian Jones the last couple you know last couple of shows, Harris. but you know they're they're. Christian Harris, sorry, uh, but we, you know, they're gonna need linebackers here. I know there was talk about uh, Anthony Hitchens being in for a visit, so that could be a, a guy that could possibly be a, their, their strong side linebacker. Again, we talked about it earlier. You know, the, the the third linebacker will not be on the football field for a majority of the play, so maybe that's not a priority position for the Bears. 
you know, maybe we think it's more a priority than they do. So we'll see how that goes. But there are a lot, you know, we haven't touched on safety. You know, we haven't touched on a lot of these positions. And next week, I'm going to do a deep dive into the interior offensive linemen. You know, that's an up position that we're going to have to take a look at here as well in, in an upcoming. So if you get some of these players that that there's a, a run on a certain position that you are not really looking for, and you can come a receiver drops down or or another player that you wouldn't expect kind of drops down, and you get an offer that you can't refuse, you're going to have to go and take it because you need draft capital because you need to build this roster because the depth on this team is, is lacking at this moment. So that's the only position I see. But in, in terms of with you, Aldo, if you have players that you have rated higher than where they're at and they're sitting there and just kind of glaring you on uh, at you on the board, you got to go and pull the trigger and, and make those play. Cause like I said, you need guys that can come in and contribute year one with those, with those first three picks. I think we take our day two picks and trade up into the first round, grab a safety. That's what I think. <laughs> See, by the way, I'm with Neil in terms of the value of the safety. You know, I, I wish we had another second round pick so we can pick. Uh, I mean, honestly, you know, here's, here's where I was with that. I, I felt that, you know, that uh, round three picks should be potentially targeted at, at safety because we had nobody in the room that was reliable that could actually make plays. Um, I don't. I've not looked at at Dane uh, Crookshank nearly enough to feel comfortable about him. But what the, the very tiny little minute sample size that I've seen of him, I like what I see, and I think he's a good fit at strong safety. You know, DHC got brought back, and he's sort of a steady Eddie type of dude that brings you a, a lot of special teams value, and so that's that's worth something there. So at least you have three bodies in the room, and mm-hmm. so now I don't think that's necessarily as high of a priority. Like before, we didn't have anybody in the room that you could rely on to make plays. And so that's why I was, I was thinking that the, that third pick on day two could potentially be a safety target. And now I think that that's definitely going to be a round five pick. Hmm. What do you guys think? Um, I've, I've issued this invitation to people who watch this show, send us your mock drafts and Neil and Danny will comment on them. So I think we've almost like have our first one here and it's from Jordan. He says, I'd love offensive linemen, wide receivers and cornerbacks, linebackers or DL in those first three picks. Let's take a quick look at the players that he's mentioned. Uh, Smith, who is that? Tyler Tyler Smith from Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys are in agreement that Tyler Smith would be a good second or third round. Tyler Smith. Yes, Tyler Smith would be a, a guy you can get at that, that pick 39 probably, and he's a guy that can come in and compete at left tackle. Right. And, uh, and, and, and again, you know, you talk about position versatility. He's a guy that can easily compete at left tackle, also a guy that can move inside as well. Right. Uh, and then Sailor, uh, this is uh, – isn't this uh, Jamari Sailor? He's he's not a he's not a guy for for this system in my opinion. He's he's a, he's more of a mauler. I think he's not a guy that, that has lateral agility to be able to move sideline to sideline. I think we'll 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 touch on him later on in, in a couple of shows. But Sean Ryan from UCLA is definitely a guy that I like a lot. I think thirty nine might be too high for him. Might be too rich for him. He's a guy that played left tackle at UCLA under um, um, Kelly. Uh, what's his uh, former Philly Eagle coach? Uh, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, thank you. Uh, yeah, so he so he's an athletic offensive lineman, play left tackle, has a length of of an interior a guard probably. So he's kind of be shifted inside and guard. He's a guy that I'm going to break down next week. Definitely like the kid, uh, Sean Ryan from from UCLA. Uh, if we want to go through the rest of the list here, although you know Pickens, we talked about 
you know, Alec Pierce talked about, Khalil Shakir I talked about. We like all those guys. I think Shakir, of those two, Shakir might be too high for at pick 48 because I'm assuming he's talking about pick 48 there with that second round, with that second, second round pick. Uh, Pickens, you probably can drop down. Now, this, this is a scenario here where if, if Pickens is a guy I think is going to slide a little bit just because some of that, some off-field stuff coming off an injury as well. I think he's a guy that could slide down in the middle to late, late portion of second round. We'll see how that goes. But uh, but Alec Pierce is a guy that's got explosiveness, guy that, that gives you some of that big play potential at receiver. He's definitely a guy you could target at, at pick 48. And we just talked about those cornerbacks in the career I love from, from uh, Auburn. And then Kobe Bryant, Neil talked about him today from Cincinnati. So I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be pick uh, pick 71 at that, that third round. So, you know, these are definitely players that we've talked about and players that you could target. But, yes, I agree. Offensive line, receiver, cornerback, in some kind of order, it's how it's going to go. Yeah, if, if it's if it's me, you know, we talked about Tyler Smith. Love Tyler Smith. Addition versatility gives you a lot of options. Not a fan of Jamari Sawyer. He was a guy that I wanted to bring up early on in the show as a guy that was getting hyped up, him and his teammate, and, and guys that I think are way overhyped that would be way down the list for me. Uh, you know, Ryan, we'll, we'll touch on Ryan next week. I'm not probably not as high as you are, Danny, on, on Ryan, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go more in depth with that. Pickens and Pierce are, are definite, you know, high day two guys to me, and Shakir is probably a little bit further on down. I almost have him a early day three guy on my board, right. I think. Um, you know, McCreary is, is a late day two guy for me just because of the measurables. But again, like we talked about before, he's figured out a way to overcome all that stuff. And so that's really intriguing and enticing. And then I, I talked about Bryant. Linebacker, uh, you know, Troy Anderson, I talked about a couple shows ago. And, you know, that, that's the guy to me that you find on day three, one of those uh, guys with traits, developmental dudes that are not ready to play right now whatsoever. And I think the biggest the biggest knock for me on, on Anderson is that yeah, he's got he's got speed and explosiveness and all these things that you excel at doing the underwear Olympics with. But you know what he doesn't have is play strength. He gets he gets mauled on the field. He can't shake blocks. He can't he can't fight through traffic. And that, that that's a big issue with me. But yeah, he you know he's he's got some intriguing stuff. And I like to see what he looks like two, three, four, five years down the road, you know, going into his set his uh you know after his rookie contract. And see if he's actually, you know, found himself a spot. I don't think it's going to be with the Bears, but it, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, Travis Jones, we talked about as a big, strong, nasty interior guy. I, I love, love Logan Hall, Travis Jones. I love those two guys. Logan Hall, three tech, Drake Jackson. Yeah, so I mean, you know, good names. Um, I think some of those names are a little bit, uh, are, are definitely too rich for my blood. My blood in terms of Shakir and Anderson as uh, day two guys, but uh, then Sawyer and Ryan, I definitely wouldn't have on, on day two, but. Um, you know, some of those other guys we, we went at, at length about and very high on. And uh, right. so, you know, I, I would not be upset about Tyler Smith and, and Alec Pierce in the second round. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Or if, even if they go Smith and then go back with Logan Hall or Travis Jones with that second second round pick, I'm sure. I'd be, I address the offense and defensive line, and then in the third round, if you get Shakir whatever receivers left over, if it's, if it's a Shakir or if it's even a, if it's a McCurry in the third round at cornerback, I I would do that as well because we touched on receiver. You can probably get a receiver in, in the fourth round or fifth round. I guess you don't have a fourth round pick here, so this is where trading down could be a value for you here. But I think you get a receiver in, in day three. I think you could possibly come in and, and get a day three corner. That there's a corner that I, I want to kind of bring up here. I, I didn't list them on our on my clips here, although, but he's a guy that I've, I've been studying the last couple of days that, that as a day three guy. Um, you know, I'm not sure if, you, if you've seen him, but he's a guy that I want to kind of bring up here and, and talk to him as, about him as well. Uh, so if we have time later on, maybe we could talk about him too. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you, there's different ways you can run this board. Um, and, and see, you, after you have to go off what they have in terms of what how they value the, these players. But yeah, I mean, some of those names there, absolutely love Tyler Jones. Love, I mean, I mean, um, Tyler Smith, Smith. love yeah. Travis Jones, love Logan Hall, 
love McCreary, love Alec Pierce. I mean, a lot of these guys that we've already talked about, like Neil said, and, and we liked them a lot. And on the topic of Tyler Smith, I like his teammate too, Chris Paul. Yeah. I like his teammate a lot as well. Yeah, not and, not day two though. Day, day not, three, not not day yeah, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's he's a guy that that brings a lot to the table. And a guy that we, we keep talking about, I mean, the, the word we keep talking about, aggressiveness, physicality. He's got a he's lot got of a, He's got a good mid-range game, too. Yeah. Sure I'm, and I'm great, with, great distributor. Yeah. I'm with uh, Jordan on this. I've developed a crush for Logan Hall since you guys pointed it out to me uh, w- weeks ago on one of our earlier shows. I, I've actually mocked him to the Bears in round two. Uh, and I won't get into all the details, but he's 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 that perfect three tech that could be available in round two. And if he's there, man, are you going to pass him up? I, I love the kid. And then, and then what the funny thing is is a lot of teams. There's a split here with what teams are seeing. Teams see him as a four three in or, or a five technique in, in a in a in a three four defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some teams see him as a possibly as an interior defensive lineman. I see him as as an interior defensive lineman or could play the interior defensive line here as a three technique. And we, we, when I broke him down, I talked about his his ability his get off at the snap you know at six six frame you know good length you know his get off his ability to penetrate the gaps and get into the backfield and make plays you know he's got a, a solid spin move in terms of a pass rush he's not there yet in terms of a, as a pass rusher a guy who can probably develop that game better can be coached up there but definitely a guy that can be an interior presence and an interior disruptor if you will and just the way he, that, for that big a size his 10 yard split guys i keep saying this it was a 1.68 at the at the combine uh Elite. you know Aaron Donald w- was 1.63 so he's not that far off from Aaron Donald in terms of his his get off at the snap and you see on tape this that that translate on tape with this kid and th- that length the size and Aldo, when we when I broke him down, I said even if he doesn't get to the pass rusher, I mean, even if he doesn't get to the quarterback with his pass rush, his six six frames put those put those arms up. You can be able to block that passing lane, maybe tap some you know bat some balls at the line of scrimmage, create turnovers, you know stuff like that. He can help you in so many different ways, you know. So that, that's the thing is like I absolutely love Logan Hall, uh, and I think if you know if, if one of those two, him or Charles Jones, are available with those second round picks, you got to address the defense line still. I uh, just got from Scox uh, his mock draft, one of his favorites. He said, and I know that Danny is going to Danny and Neil are going to poo-poo that first pick, Bernard Rainman, because he did it when Damian Parsons was on the show. Well, from it's, it's not that I, I'm going to poo-poo it. I, I like Raymond as a, as a prospect. I just have some doubts in terms of his, you know, being a, a starter day one. Right, the 39th pick. I want him. He's going to be a left tackle, and he's being touted as possibly a late first round pick. And and I see why he's got the size of six, six. He's only 303 pounds though. So remember this guy's only played a uh, left tackle for two years, guys. He's, he was a tight end before, right? And he's played at Western Michigan. So he's not a guy that that's really played at, at a big time conference, you know, has, has been going up against big time competition. His arm length to me is, is, is guard length, right? That that's, and I, I'm, I'm a big proponent about arm length. You know, it's gotta be 33 and a half or, or higher in terms of my, my offensive tackles on the outside, on the islands, right? I'm, I'm very strong about that. I know there are, there are tackles, that have had a sub 33 inch arm length, but those are the exceptions, not the rules. You know, those are you probably count on, on, a, on a single hand, you know, in terms of guys that succeeded at tackle with sub, you know, 33 arm length. So, you know, athletic ability is there. He's more of a developmental guy. He's a guy that, that uh, when, when Damian brought him up, I said, you know, these, this is one of the guys that, you know what, you're sure I'll let him go out there and I'll, I'll let him fail at left tackle before I move him into guard. No doubt about it, but I see him more, uh, I see his career probably blossoming more inside a, a guard than I do at, at left tackle. I mean, I put on this tape, you know, this is a kid that, that was built up as an athletic, you know, uh, offensive lineman, but you see him get to a second level, you see him struggle 
you know, to, to reach some of those second level linebackers. You see him struggle to be able to maintain and, and, and sustain those blocks on the second level linebackers. So, I mean, that's the, the thing that concerns me about Raymond is, is he's, he's a guy that intrigues me. He's a guy that, that I can bring in in this roster. If, if I sign up, for example, a Dwayne Brown, a veteran that's going to come in and start for the next year or two, and I have Raymond developing behind him. Sure. Not a problem, but I pick 39. I want a guy that's going to be a sure starter for me. If I don't have a veteran left tackle, uh, Christian right. Watson. Hey, Dan, if I could, if I could interrupt you just real yep. quick there with, with Raymond, I think a lot, a lot of his evaluation could probably be like centered on those uh, uh, pass pro clips from senior bowl when he couldn't, he couldn't take on any of those edge rushers. He couldn't set, he couldn't anchor, he couldn't uh, he couldn't move bodies. He got absolutely eaten alive during Senior Bowl week in, in, in terms of just, just those pass rush drills. And I know, I know it's slanted towards the defensive lineman anyways. But like we talked about with Zion Johnson, Zion Johnson was able to grab a guy, use, use you know, heavy hands, you know, control the body and anchor and, you know, move side to side. You know, Bernard Raymond couldn't do any of that. And so, I, you know, in, in terms of, of his you know, type of rawness, like, yeah, if you like all those types of traits, I think he's a luxury for teams that are luxurious teams that have starters already. Like you said, they can bring in the, this type of kid that has all these traits and all these measurables and all this upside and everything else and mold them into something. But, you know, for us, we need a guy to come in right away and pick 39 Bernard Raymond to me, ain't it? Let me, let me uh, tell you about Christian Watson. I keep seeing Christian Watson. He's not, he's going to be gone for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Greg Gabriel has assured me that he is going to be taken in the first round. There's no way that the chiefs with two picks in the first round and, and the Packers with two picks in the first round are going to bypass this guy. He's going to go to one of those two teams. Yeah. Christian Watson, unfortunately is not going to be available guys. That that's what I've heard as well. I, I, I think that's the last week I said, I said, I don't think his, his team calls are going to change. I think, I think the Packers are smitten with him, and I think that that's if he's there for them. That I think they'll they'll go ahead and, and, and you know they may even have to move up to get him. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But I right. think he's, he's if he's available in the second round for the Bears, just like don't don't, don't right. even you know, bother yeah. waiting. Just <laughs> mail the pick and right away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is like you know uh, you know with with Watson. If if it's not Watson, you know, there, there's going to be other receivers going to be available oh, yeah. there as well. So it's 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 you know it's it's a deep position group a, a position of need and you know here i forgot who had this draft here but uh you know they're they're spoken skokes okay so scott scott got two receivers here. you got romeo dubs who's a, a big kid out, out of nevada he's got that straight line speed right. uh and he's got christian watson here so you know i could see the bears going with with two receivers because they need playmakers at that position too so you know alante taylor a guy we talked about today third round if he's there at 71 i think that's a that's a good good pickup you know cam mm -hmm. jorgens for me is, is is a center um, uh, really a guy that when I watch his tape, you know, it doesn't really impress me that much. I know he's athletic as heck, uh, but you know, again, a guy that can probably bring in here and develop, but again, if I, I you know, if you have the, the kid from green Bay starting at center, I, I don't know what, you know, what you have Jurgens here at, at center for you. So I, I'd rather probably, you know, use that pick maybe on a more of an interior offensive lineman than I would. You already have most uh, as a backup as well. Exactly. So, um, you know, Vernon McKinley's uh, at one eighty six. That that that'd be a heck of a pick there. I think he's a he's a kid that can play some safety for in the NFL. So, uh, you know, th there's some some nice nice names here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got that. I don't see get get picked for the Bears, and, and I'm not sure why. Neil, maybe you can tell me why. Is is a, a Nick Petit Ferrer from uh, Ohio State? I I think that kid can play left tackle. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean he's, is he fully developed? No. Does he need some time? Maybe yes. But I think he athletic. He can play left tackle. I think he's he's 
played uh, more snaps at left tackle than, than a kid like Raymond. So I, I just don't see why there's a, an, an intrigue and a, an infatuation, if you will, with a kid like Raymond, who's only played for two years there, but a kid like Petit Ferrer, who's proven in a, in a Big Ten to be an, an elite left tackle. You see him spring out of his, his stance. You see him get to that second level run fit. You know, maybe that game against Michigan really, really kind of ruined it for him, but I, I just don't see why that kid doesn't get a love, enough love or attention in that second round range for the Bears. Because Raymond's the uh, the seven foot Lithuanian that can shoot and drain threes from the perimeter and has a grainy tape. That's why you fall in love with with the novelty. That, that, that's entirely why. And I, I, think, I think Petit Fair is more ready for, than, than than Bernard you know Raymond is. I, I completely agree with you. I, I think I think Nick Petit Fair is incredibly undervalued right now. And I think he's a guy that's going to fall and is going to fall right into our lap. Gabriel loves him a lot. Yeah, yeah. For, Nicholas Petit Fair. Yeah, from yeah. I think he could. I could. I think you know. Obviously, he's not fully developed yeah he still needs some work but i think you could go out next year and 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 start him at left tackle i, I don't i wouldn't be that concerned with him is he gonna take his lumps is he gonna take his his, his bump sure I mean, he's a rookie left tackle it's gonna happen but i think he's a guy that that potentially could be your starter down the road you know raymond you know possibly maybe but just there, there are too many question marks for me to go out and pick put pick 39 on a kid like raymond cam jurgens is is a center only he's a one-trick pony yeah. he's his measurables are way too tiny to play anything but center I uh, I, and again, I, I love what he did at the combine. He absolutely tore it up, and and the media was fawning over him, mm-hmm. and and all those 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 things. It was it was kind of disgusting to watch, but um, you know, but the way the way that he, I mean, you, you got to give the kid credit. The way that he moved and and, and ran and, and jumped and yeah, yeah as, as athletic as the day is long. But you mm-hmm. know, again, when you talk about guys with one trick ponies and the, the type of pony that we don't need right now, there's there's really no need for him on our roster, right. Exactly. Boy, this has been fun, guys. Uh, by the way, yeah, uh, can I get to my corner, my, thir- my day three corner that yes, I want to kind of bring up? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Neil, have you talked? I've talked. Have you have you watched Jack Jones from ASU? I have not. Okay. I not I, I put this I put this tape this kid's tape on, and I mean, I, I, again, another guy that the more I watch, the more I like. Right? He's he's an undersized, not undersized. He's 5'11", 171 pounds, so he's got a slender, thin thin frame. You know, thirty and three fourths arm length. You know, we're in a four, five, one forty. So again, we're talking about a guy that doesn't have that elite, you know, you know, speed like we talked with some other guys here. Uh, but again, just a quick twitched athlete, a guy who possesses that, you know, those quick feet, the the good lateral agility, a stop and start, change of direction ability, uh, smooth back pedal, you know, with that plant and drive ability, a guy that's you know feisty, a guy we talked about, you know, he's only 171, dripping wet, but he, he will come down, he'll hit you. He's a guy that wraps up and tackles. Uh, you know, again, feisty, competitive, small corner, you know, uh, is a guy that can track the ball and go up and make a play on it. You know, that's th- because he's necessarily not the biggest guy. Doesn't mean he won't go up and make a play on a football. So, you know, really like this guy, lightning quick out of his transition. You saw him, you know, smooth out his back pedal, plant and drive on, on, on a guy uh, uh, underneath route. Um, you really, really like him. The, the thing about him and this guy coming out of high school, remember five-star recruiter out of high school. All right. Uh, went to got teams like Alabama, ASU, Texas, AM, you know, UCLA all going after him. He ended up going to USC. Uh, there, was, there was an issue in terms of academics. You know, he, he had to sit out a year and all that stuff. And then there's some off the field stuff at ASU where he was suspended and some off the field trouble. So there, there's some red flags there. So that's why I think this guy could, could, could drop down into day three. But definitely a guy that intrigues me at, at 5'11 with that twitchiness, that, that ability to play some off-man coverage. And he's sticky as heck in coverage. You can get, get onto a guy and he'll he'll stay in, you know, in his hip pocket downfield. Look at this player here. Body control, contours, makes a nice play on a bigger receiver. That's Romney from uh, B, uh, BYU. Bigger receiver goes up, stays with them in phase. Body control, makes a nice play on, on interception. So Jack Jones is a guy 
we talk about guys, traits, guys that can make plays, guys that, that intrigue you, right? Day three guy. This is the guy. The reason he probably would drop is probably because of his his off the field stuff. You guys, you know, kind of look into that and make sure it's you know that all checks out. But definitely a guy that intrigues me. And again, guy goes coached by Antonio Pierce, a former NFL um, you know linebacker, and also his head coach Herm Edwards, an NFL mm-hmm. head coach. So you know he's got some of that NFL coaching already in him. So a guy that can come in as a day three pick and maybe contribute right away. Jack Jones from ASU, guys, keep an eye on this name. I have to imagine the off-the-field stuff wasn't that big of a deal because we know Herm Edwards is a no-nonsense type of guy. You know, if, well, it, if it was that I read heavy. into it, and it's it's I don't want to bring it up here, but it's it's it's, it's some big he broke in some burglary stuff and all that stuff. So oh, there, really? there are there are some stuff that that he, they got to check out prior to being in college or uh, no at, at ASU. So he he had academic uh, issues at at USC, which he had to sit out. He went to a um um. um Jesus, I can't think of the, the name. Uh, what now? Uh, community college. He went to a community college for, for a year at, at 2018 because he was suspended. He was uh, ineligible at USC. Went to community college Moore there. Uh, Moore Park. Yep, Moore Park College. And then he ended up going to ASU uh, because of Antonio Pierce and all that stuff. And then he got suspended there. You know, So it, there's some stuff that they look into. But you talk about a guy that could drop into day three, potentially come in with that that quick twitch fiber ability, that, that stickiness in coverage. You know, we talked about, you just showed him right there, his, his, you know, his uh, ball skills there, 26 pass defense, um, five forced fumbles. You know, he, so this is a guy, again, you see him running towards a, a ball carrier with that you know, clinch fist looking to go ahead and, uh, and knock that ball out. So, you know, these are things that you look for, but again, he's got to check out, you know, in terms of off the field, but definitely got to keep an eye on D3. Yeah, Moore Park isn't one of those uh, destination junior colleges either. They might as well have gone and stuck him on a deserted island somewhere. So, here's what Brugler so says about his anecdotally. <laughs> sorry, What's that? Uh, sorry to interrupt. Sorry interrupt. Here's what Brugler writes about his some of his problems here. Uh, he left USC because of academics in 218. He was arrested for allegedly breaking into a Panda Express in June of 218. <laughs> of all places, right? <laughs> he was hungry. The felony their charge- own chicken was tempting, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it's good. Uh the felony charges were later dropped, and he pleaded guilty to a second-degree misdemeanor charge of commercial burglary, uh, serving 45 days of house arrest. He was suspended by Arizona State coaching staff for fighting during practice in November of 2020 and missed most of the abbreviated four-game season in 2020. His lack of – he just goes on to talk about uh, some of his skills here. But his summary line is, overall, his lack of size and discipline on and off the field creates doubt about his next-level future, but his short agility skills, ball instincts, and and uh, compete skills are already NFL entry traits. So – uh, kind of a mixed bag there. Seventh round is where he projects him to go. But I agree with you, Danny. It, it, this is a guy you want to bring in and you want to have that talk. And uh, and then you also want to see who's in your locker room and can take this young man under his wing. Mm-hmm. Give him life uh, advice. Give him counsel and so forth. We've got to find out. Brugler does a nice job of looking into the guy's background. He talks about high school and so forth. So you want you want to ask him questions. You know, if he came from a very poor background uh, and didn't have the parental skills uh, that you, so many of us uh, are blessed with, then, you know, those are things that perhaps you need to take into account. But right now, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's an iffy proposition for him. 
for right. a long but th these are the guys that these are the guys that can that can drop because of stuff like this that that you know then you can in three four years like man how did this kid last to the fifth round for example right you know stories like this is stuff like that that could happen to you and then you could you know eventually if you could turn your life around and you could you could be you know a successful player i, I just think his his athletic ability his his coverage awareness and, and the way he can make plays on a football it really really intrigues me like i said when i watch his tape I, I couldn't keep my eyes off of the kid so the, the kid is electric um you know again doesn't have the, the prototypical size you want necessarily in terms of 171 pounds so it might be kind of you know you know pushed inside to a slot corner we'll see how that goes but Definitely a guy, if he checks out off the field, I think it's well worth taking a chance on him. You know, the thing about this too, guys, is is uh, the best thing that he can do is be 100% you know, honest and transparent about everything that happened. Yep. Because during 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 the character process but in August, you know, all these scouts come in and they know well ahead of time that this kid has some baggage. They're going to ask questions. Uh, the, the guys like me who sat down with these guys and gave the character reports, they're going to sit down with – yeah, yeah, so did I know, man. <laughs> Let's go ahead and be honest. So all three of us probably, but you know they're they're going to sit down with the position coach. They're going to sit down with the head coach. They're going to sit down with, with the strength coach and really you know take a the deepest dive they possibly can. Basically, do a background check and talk to as many people as possible about this kid. You know who he is on and off the field. How he you know how he performs. You know when when they're when he's inside. How he performs when nobody's looking. All these different types of things. You know by you know by by the time you get to December, you know everything you need to know so that when you go into these off season. Uh, these, these off-season events, you get the, the, the kid in, into the room, the interview process, you know, they already know the answers to the questions, right? And, and so really a lot of the times when they ask these questions, it's all about is the kid going to bullshit us or is he going to be real and honest and authentic and own it, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, the, the best thing with all these kids can do is just, you know, own his bullshit. I've grown up since then, and here's where I am now, and here's how I can help you. And I, I think that that's, that's, that's the biggest thing for, uh, you know, every, all of our listeners to realize is that, you know, once we get to this point, all the answers are already had. It's just a matter of the kid, you know, you know, being a man about it effectively. Does that make sense? Sure does. I love what Mule says here is, what's your GPA? Uh, what's that? Real <laughs> over. <laughs> all right. Hey, hey, by the way, since you were looking at that Arizona State, uh, Danny, what would you think of Chase Lucas, who Scox also said he's intrigued by? I was doing the uh, I was doing Jack Jones. Lucas is next on my on my on my hit list. All right, we'll take a look at him. He's actually uh, uh, evaluated much higher by Dane Brugler in his uh, publication, The Beast. And we thank uh, Chase Brugler for doing outstanding work. We'll be quoting some of that uh, from time to time and have the guys. Uh, I love it when you guys disagree with with Dane Brugler because that's real. And I love it when you guys disagree. You know, go ahead and. Uh, Fight more often on this show. I love conflict. The, the only thing about Chase Lucas I can say is, is when I'm watching uh, Jack Jones, I, I, no one else stuck out to me on defense. So that that's the one thing is 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 you know I'm watching this kid and, and and no one else is really doing anything other than that. Now, for example, I was watching another kid, Kalen Barnes from Baylor, mm -hmm. and I and I couldn't get my eyes off of Jalen Petrie to safety. I absolutely mm -hmm. am, am, am developing a, a a low man crush there on, on Jalen <laughs> Petrie. And I I just think that. You know, if, if if he's somehow, I don't know how you can get him on his roster. Again, you have to use you have to use a top, you have to use a, a second round pick or possibly, you know, I'm thinking he's going in the second round somewhere. So, I just don't know. I don't feel confident. I don't. I shouldn't say I don't feel confident. I, I love the kid. I love this is the way he plays. I just don't know how the Bears could use a second round pick on a safety right now when they have so many other needs. That's my only thing. So. I I agree with you, Danny. I've fallen in love with him too, and and it's like weird. In one of my mocks, I had him and Josh uh, Hall, uh, Logan Hall, excuse me, in uh, in my second round, and it was like, oh, man, if I were to pu publish this on Twitter, I'd get killed. <laughs> it, just because of the needs, right now, if, now if they have things going on 
on the background that we don't know about, right? If, if they have things that they have, or veterans they have targeted, for example, I keep mentioning Dwayne Brown, right? If, if for example, if, if he's someone that they've targeted and they've spoken to him and they kind of have an idea, hey, if we don't get a tackle here and we go get a Petrie, we go get a, 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 a Logan Hall, we go get a something else, you know, can we go bring in Dwayne Brown after the draft and sign him? Then you got, it makes sense, right? But if you go in with, Left tackle, uh, Tevin Jenkins or, or Larry Borum, and and you, you're putting uh, Justin Fields back there. I'm 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 going to be freaking losing my mind because I, I think that's just asking for disaster here. But the record show, Danny just said he'd take a safety in round two. I said I couldn't, I could not, uh, you know, do, nope, nope, uh, nope, nope, I, that, I could not put the card in for a safety <laughs> in the second round. But I love the player. I love the player, Jalen Petrie. I just can't with all the needs. I cannot give him uh, my card in with a safety on the second round. Here's another guy that I have fallen in love with, uh, the cornerback out of uh, – what school is he? Um, here it is. Uh, Florida. Kair? Oh, or- no. I, no. He don't, you don't like him? Uh, he, he's got the prototypical size and, 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 and quickness for a cornerback, but he just uh, – he just his, his run defense is nowhere near to what you want as, as, as a as – a, especially in a, in a cover two uh, defense. Uh, he's just a guy that's too hit or miss. Uh, too grabby, and, and when he, when he gets beaten off the line of scrimmage, you see him just kind of wrapping and, and, and wrapping around the waist. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of, of. I mean, he's gonna go in the first round. I mean, I'm not oh, saying yeah. that. Uh, yeah, he's gonna go in the first round. It, it, it's just that I'm not that high on this kid. What do you think, Neil? Help Same. me out here. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? I, he did the same. I just used one word. One word evaluation. Yeah. Same. Yeah, it's, 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 no. it's just. I mean, I just. I don't know what it is about. I mean, like I said, he's got the size, the the quickness, the speed, the twitch you want in in, in a cornerback. But just he doesn't fulfill what I want in my cornerbacks for me. And I just for me, this kid is like a boomer bust pick. This guy could either be a, an an NFL All Pro or he's going to be out of the league within four years. So it's one of those those you know. And if you're uh, Ryan Poles, you know, if, if this kid drops to you in the second round, you got to question yourself why he's there in the second round. Yeah. Well, and that's where Brugler has him going in the second round. He says overall, he's a good size athlete with natural cover talent and NFL ready intangibles with his physicality for press man. He compares favorably to Tampa Bay's Carlton Davis, who was uh, when he was coming out of Auburn. Oh, so, maybe in a press yeah. man. Yeah. If you, if you go on like a, a system, like for example, that uh, whatchamacallit runs uh a tall bowls. Yeah. I mean, he's got, like I said, the quickness, the size, be able to, to play some press man coverage, but if you're going to be running the, what, what Eberflus is going to be running, which is more of that off man coverage. And some of that, some of that's, uh, yep. You need to, you need some of that coverage awareness. You need to be able to, to be able to, to break quickly on a football and be physical in terms of being able to, to, um, um, you know, wrap up and tackle. We just touched on all these guys here. Some of the physicality they brought in terms of you know, run defense and all that stuff, you know, I, he just doesn't bring it to me. Jordan says, uh, Danny, go watch Elim on Jameson. I saw that. Shaq I, 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 I saw him on Jameson. I saw him grabbing Jameson. I saw no, no, no penalties being called. I saw, I saw uh, John Mechie cross him up and, and get, and get a, get a, uh, a ball that was thrown behind him. If it wasn't thrown behind him, it was thrown in front of him. He'll probably caught it and, and score a touchdown on, on Elam. He, he's, he doesn't impress me guys. Ravi says uh, he's stuck with Kyler Gordon or Emerson. They fit the cover to Eberflus scheme the best. The, the guy, the guy I, I like, my top corner is, is obviously is, is uh, Sauce Gardner and then and, and McDuffie from, from Washington. I absolutely love Trent McDuffie from Washington. Hey, those guys are both way ahead of Elam. For me. Who, who I have seen go in first rounds. McDuffie, uh, I, I keep seeing him over and over and over again going in the first round, which I'm a, I was a little surprised, but I guess the hype is real. He's, he's a damn good player. 
Absolutely. Derek Stingley's another one that I really, really like out of LSU. I really, yeah. really like the high His school. His only well. question was, was just uh, durability. Like, you know, was he just kind of cashing it in, you know, because he just wants to get, get through the season? But no, there were times where he just wasn't wasn't available. And that's the only problem with him. Yeah. I'm with you. Jordan, Jordan says if he's not trying, if you're not cheating, you know, you're not trying if you're not cheating. All right, guys, it is time to call it a night. Boy, a nice two-hour and ten-minute show. I like mm-hmm. it, man. I like it. And thanks, guys, for uh, agreeing to come on Friday. I, I just could not go yesterday, and I apologize. I apologize to anybody who's waiting in the in the uh, YouTube channel or waiting wherever uh, for the show. But I just couldn't go last night, and uh, you guys brought it tonight. So thank you both very much, not only for changing the dates, uh, but for all the hard work that you guys do in preparing for this show. Outstanding work. Uh, Neil, I'll start with you with any shout outs or any uh, closing thoughts. Yeah, nothing really to shout out outside of, uh, again, like every week, like you guys come up in the chat, ask some great questions, have some great comments. You know, we, we do this stuff so that, uh, you know, you guys have uh, some some intelligence to take back to your guys when you're getting hammered at the bar, right? No. But uh, <laughs> uh, really appreciate everybody that comes on the show, man. Obviously, that you know, every, every single week we say this, you know, like it, share it, love it, comment on it, do what you got to do. And, uh, you know, if somebody's looking for a great show, make sure they, they, they know that we exist. Um, but uh, always a great time to come on with you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. Mr. Shimon. Yeah, for me, again, fun, awesome show. I, I love the participation from our from our listeners. You know, guys that are deep into the draft process, guys that, that watch tape, it's obvious. And, and I, I love that back and forth. And just keep ringing it. Keep giving us names you guys want us to uh, – you guys want us to, to look up and you guys want us to break down. Next week, I'm going to be diving deeply into the interior offensive line position. So I'm looking at guards, uh, you know, uh, predominantly guards. I'll look at a couple of centers, but predominantly guards is what I'm going to be concentrating on next week. So because I think that's going to be a, a, a neat position possibly they can probably attract maybe later on in the draft. So we'll, we'll see how it goes there. So look for interior offensive linemen next week. Speaking of which. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, guys asking questions about players, uh, Isaiah Weston from Northern Iowa, somebody asked about, and that's a guy that we'll cover next week as well. I had him on the list for this week, but we just stuck with corners to keep it, you know, consistent. We'll we'll dive into Isaiah Weston next week a little yeah, bit. We should probably we're do a, asked about him, but we, we could probably do a show on on just day three receivers, Neil. I mean, that's that's how many day three receivers Ooh. there are in this in yeah, this, in this show. Though. We no, we're just, we're gonna run out of time though. <laughs> we're we just, do, just do it. Uh, day three receiver. That's it. We, we can. We can go. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Look what Scott says. He says he would pay to have this show on three times a week. We need to monetize our sh- our efforts here because you guys work way too hard for You're me right to pay you nothing. <laughs> right right and I apologize for laughing at that, but that's the truth. Um, listen, how much I, would you pay? <laughs> that's right, Scott. How? What do you think it would be worth? To have this show on two times, three times a week. What do you? What do you? What is that worth? So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll wait your response, and I will uh, also say this: at my closing, have my ass. <laughs> I know, right? You're working three days a week for how much? <laughs> <laughs> um, Greg Gabriel is also going to look at cornerbacks on Monday at 1 p.m. Central. So I might uh, I might roll some of the videotape from today's discussion for uh, Greg to reply to. Uh, so I'll have some handy, but uh, that's going to be a great show. So by the, the end of the day, Monday, I, well, really, we still have more cornerbacks to look at on this show. But, boy, when it comes to offensive linemen, cornerbacks, and wide receivers, we got you covered. What was it, Neil, that you said um, you had a buzzword on uh, a draft on demand? 
Yeah, draft on demand. I love draft it. on demand. I love it. It's draft on demand, guys, right here at the Barroom Network. I'm going to organize all of our uh, all of our shows so that you can easily find all of our draft shows. And if I have time, I would love to edit together all of the evaluations from Danny, Neil, and Greg and put them into one long YouTube show so that people could go to that uh, as a reference. It would be our own beast. <laughs> about right. that? that would be pretty cool. I just need to find the time to do that. And uh, because time is running out, right? Isn't it? Uh, let's look at the countdown. Three weeks away, man. See where we're at. Wait. 19 days and how many, how many hours? Oh, man. Look at that. 19 Bring days. Oh, there it is, the countdown. Man. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I'm anxious for the draft to come, but at the same time, I want to be talking about it. I, I'm sort of like Scott. So I wish I could be talking about it all, every day of the week because there's so many interesting players and so many different scenarios that we can run through. The speculation is fun, uh, but overall, it's it's uh, discussing this topic with guys who do the work, and that's what you two guys do, and I'm highly indebted uh, to you uh, for that. So for Neil Stopchinski and Danny Shimon, uh, this is Draft on Tap. We'll see you next week.